Pickaxe. Thanks for coming, everyone. Uh, so let's just start with introductions. So can you tell us, um, we can stop with, start with uh, Bobby. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about kind of who you are and, and what's your involvement in the Smash community? Yeah, absolutely. What's up, Dr. K? Thanks for having hey. us here. Yeah, man. Good to see How you again. You yeah, likewise. Likewise. Uh, I'm Bobby Scar. I'm a been a melee player since 2006. Uh, and, you know, I switched into uh, ranked number 69th best player of all time. Uh, I'm actually trying to get back into the game. I want to get good again. So we'll see. If I can get better than 69th in 2020, I think that, Hugo, what do you think? If I'm top 50 in like a year, you, you give me top 100 all time, right? Uh, yeah, easy. If you get hit top 50, you can do it. But that's a big if because so the melee community's grown two times since I was big. 2013, there was a huge surge, and now it feels like more people are getting in the game. So, uh, it's an exciting time to play melee because of the competition. But, uh, yeah, uh, in the past couple of years, I've mostly been commentating. So, yeah, coming back to the game, it'll be hard. But, um, yeah, happy to be here and talk about, uh, things that are. I guess outside of the game, but super important to uh, being a player in the melee community, the Smash community, and you know what it means. To, I feel like we're talking about what it means to be in a gaming community in general. So it's a topic really important to me. Cool. Thanks, man. Jisoo. Uh, yeah. So um, I mean, first and foremost, I'm just like I guess like a community artist, uh, and I got my start super early on. Like I've been in the scene since I was like literally a child like 15 um which now now i'm 22 and there's like it's crazy because growing up i was like one of like the youngest people if not like I, i'm not probably not the youngest but you know like i was like part of the younger crowd and now there's like i i'm growing up like that i see like 15 14 even like 12 year olds like playing the game and they like quadruple like shine your shield and they can like like perfect frame one wave shine out of it and it's like it's, it's crazy but anyways anyways um yeah like i would i've been to like all the tournaments and stuff and i kind of started the whole like selling your art there kind of thing and it started off as a hobby but as smash grew um like all these tournaments and stuff got bigger so that's kind of how i established myself cool sparkly piggy and tell us what you guys want to be called i'm just reading your discord names uh you can call me piggy that's fine okay yeah, so can you tell um, us a little bit about yourself, Piggy? Yeah, sure. So, uh, let's see. My name is Kyle. I have been in the Smash community for six or seven years, um, Chicago scene. For the most part, I started out as a commentator at my locals. Just that was the way that I liked experiencing the game. Um, and then when I entered grad school for psychology, cognitive neuroscience, I uh, started researching the expertise acquisition of Smash. So, uh, I have both... Um, oh. Thank you. Community experience and research experience. But I think the thing that's going to matter most today is that I've been working, uh, directing, running the scene's um, attempt at a grassroots code of conduct for the last two years. Uh, so there's a lot of um, things I would love to say or communicate or discuss today because I've got a lot of opinions having been on the front lines for the last two years, experiencing harassment, experiencing um unpopular decisions, experiencing lack of support. So I'm really glad to have everybody else here today uh, to to talk about that aspect because there's a lot of feels and a lot of thoughts uh, that we 
should address and are finally, because of the events of July, being given the attention they deserve. Awesome. Thank you very much, Piggy. Um, TK? Is that... Hi. Uh, Yeah, TK Breezier. TK, it doesn't matter. Uh, I I guess TK is probably easier, but uh, yeah, I'm TK Breezy. I commentate uh, Smash. I've been commentating for the last, like, I don't know, 10 years. Um, Mostly, mostly the not melee game like so whatever is like going on aside of melee i'm pretty much doing that but i, I do commentate melee as well because i mean it's just a fun game to talk about um i don't know i've grown up in the smash community like since you know since i've been in it for so long and you know things it's nice to see change uh from the way things were before you know there's a lot of stuff that i feel like when we look back on we're kind of like and it's uh it goes even further past like with everything going on with the Me Too movement, it's just like in general, like how people spoke and how people interacted. A lot of that has like changed. Uh, and a lot of that I've been able to see since I've been around for so long. And it's nice to see, but obviously uh, we have a lot more to still work on. And I'm glad to be part of uh, this conversation to talk about what we can do to continue to move forward um, and make this place a safer place and a, and a more inviting place for everyone. Cool. And uh, people call you Hugo. Is that right? Oh, muted. Hugo or Hugs is okay. Hugo. Yeah. Oh, you tell um, me. What do you prefer? Hugs? Uh, you can call me Hugs. Okay. Yeah. Um, I get to call him Hugo. Yeah. <laughs> I've melted your brain twice yeah. in Mafia. Whatever, dude. All right. So <laughs> my name is Hugo. I've been competing in Smash uh, since about 2004, and unlike my friend Bobby Scar here, I am part of the top 100 all-time list. True, uh, <laughs> true. Credit where it's due. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. So I've been playing for a long time, and I've seen the scene grow up from its super, super early stages up until all the way uh, to where we're at now. And I've seen a lot of progress. I've seen a lot of change. But then there are always things that we can work on. Um, and so this conversation seemed like something I definitely wanted to be a part of, um, just because I've seen so much and, um, especially after the events of July. So yeah, happy to be here and happy to actually hear all your voices again. It's been a while. Cool. Thank you guys very much for coming. So let's start with this. What happened in July? You guys, the events of July. Ooh, a lot. (laughs) Damn I don't even know where to yeah, start. Yeah, who's going to be that. the storyteller? Because to be honest, I've been on, I've been uh, not as embedded, right? So, I mean, I can tell the story from a more outside perspective, you know, what, what I heard, but does anybody want to volunteer? I think an article what about it, but July? I also feel like there are, like, Jisoo, your actions directly impacted what unfolded. So, I, I don't know if you're comfortable I mean, telling that story. I mean, okay. So. I'm not going to, I'm going to first and foremost say that I don't know every single story. Like, I think we all can like confidently say that there was like, I mean, the Kotaku article was literally like, there's 50 plus like different allegations. I don't think all of us, I don't think any of us had time to go through all 50 plus of those and like do the whole like, do the whole like (laughs) crazy wall. Like let's piece other like stories together and like figure that stuff out. I just know like what I know and basically what happened was that like so I'm, I was kind of on the sidelines too because I was actually like 
on a break from social media. Like I was taking a break from Smash. I was just focusing on school, like artwork, my career. Um, and like, I would like loosely like peek back in, you know, like sometimes my friends would show me things and like, it's not like I like didn't care about the Smash community anymore, but I saw that like, you know, then for those who don't know me, I have my own like uh, story and kind of background that makes me very familiar with like, you know, like situations of like harassment or like feeling like you can't come out with your story. Right. So I always felt like even though I did make my statement, I didn't make a full statement. I didn't like go into detail. I didn't divulge publicly, you know, what exactly I went through. And, and GC, how long ago was that? That was a long time ago, right? It was a long, long time ago. I was, I, like I said, um, most of it happened when I was like 15 to 17. And then I came out with it when I was like 18, 19. Um, and then I just kind of held on to it for years. And it wasn't until I saw that people, like other people in the community, you know, they were finally starting to come forward with their stories. And I think it's just because of like the whole, you know, the world right now is like, we're in a really tense place. Like there's a whole pandemic, like we're all kind of like in a standstill, staying at home, being able to like actually have the time to self-reflect. And it's not just the Smash community that this was afflicted with. It was uh, like, I mean, obviously there's a bit, there's been a ton of big streamers like in League, um, Dota, uh, I think like the Quake scene. I don't, I don't know. But basically there's this whole movement now for people to finally get like the retribution, acknowledgement and justice. And um, that obviously spilled over into Smash. And I saw that there are a bunch of people finally starting to speak out. And it almost felt like cathartic for me. Like, I always felt like I always knew, like, especially as a woman um, and, and a woman and a minor and just like, like, just like minority within the community. It doesn't, you don't have to be like a woman or a minor. Just if you're some kind of non-majority group, there are like things that you face that, are hard to bring up it, just like in any other community because you're not the front facing personality. You're not, you're not the, the main experience that everyone else has. So it's hard to get people to empathize with that. So I think people stayed quiet, but finally, you know, people are getting the strength to come out with their stories. And that's kind of what prompted me to come back and be like, you know, I've been like waiting for this moment for so long. And I think like the way I came about it on social media, cause this is how I've always been, but like I'm, I come off kind of, I don't know if this is the right word, but I come off very like confident or snarky and like people kind of took that the wrong way. They almost painted me like a villain figure. Cause they're like, they're like, what do you, why, like, why are you paying, why are you saying this in such a like, like vindictive way? And it's just like, I, I feel like if you've lived with something like this for years, you know, it's like, it's like I said, it's cathartic. It's relieving. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what tumbled. It's kind of what like started everything into this big like tumble and like, I don't want to list any names because that's, that's, we're just going to open up a big can of worms, but like, there are a ton of big commentators, players, um, and just like known community members who were either like abused or, you know, the, the accused and later, you know, admitted to it. And I, I have to say, because I am, I knew, I knew in my position as one of the more well-known like minorities within the scene, I felt like a, almost like a duty, especially because I know these struggles. I almost felt like a duty to do whatever I can to push the movement as much as possible. 
Um, and like I said, I try to do it with as much due diligence as possible. Like, I, it's not like I played every single situation correctly, which, by the way, I don't think you should ever expect anybody who has that much burden or, like, just information to be able to play, like, play by play, by play handle such a sensitive topic in a perfect way. That, if anything, that'd be, that would be more suspicious to me. But anyways, like, um, you know, especially with the whole, like, cancel culture rhetoric you know i had this whole i had this these waves of people coming at me be like well you're doing this for clout or this or that it's just like no like why would i take a year off can can i just jump in for a second so so jisoo i get the impression that you're talking around a lot of stuff so like people will say like the movement and then things started to happen and you're kind of like you're kind of dipping just right along the surface. So, like, let's take a second because I actually don't know. I haven't followed much. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So, so let's just start. Like, what started happening? Sexual assault allegations of yeah. major Smash figureheads, players, commentators. They range from um, outright rape to drug facilitated violence to um, soliciting nudes from minors to actually um, sexually assaulting minors. Uh, there are 90 cases right now. Um, the, I think the most shocking ones were the sexually related, uh, accusations. Um, and there, there have been several careers that have been ended, just straight up ended because of the things that were revealed on social media. And do you guys have a sense of like what, so Jisoo had sort of mentioned that sometimes it's hard to speak, which I I think is common when it comes to issues of like sexual assault or other kinds of predatory behavior. Does anyone have a sense of what caused people to start the movement or like what, what happened? Well, like how did these, I think think it only took, I think it only took one person. So like, obviously there's a lot that is behind the scenes that people weren't willing to say because they weren't, uh, they weren't sure of the consequences. And to be honest, I mean like some of those consequences were exactly what you thought they were like, where you would, someone will come out with a story and instead of people being like, oh, man, we believe you, you know, they want to be like, oh, we need proof or, oh, you're just trying to do this to ruin this person's career when, like, you know, it, that's that's not the point. You know what I mean? It's it's just like the, the point was basically to let you know that, you, you know, your heroes basically aren't the people that you think they are. You know, like it wasn't every person, every top player isn't like a good person and every top commentator isn't a good person. And it, it didn't even have to be just top players, top commentators. Some of those people were like, you know, O2 people, people who just go to your local. It just... Though I think the point that they were trying to show was that, like, you know, uh, enough is enough. And I don't know who exactly did the first, first one, but I know that it was basically a chain reaction. Like, one person put out a big story, and then after that, it was, like, just dominoes. I remember being up one of those nights. I can't remember which night it was, but I remember being up one of those nights until, like, 7 a.m. because, like, a new story came out, like, every 30 minutes. And uh, I was sitting in this call with Coney, big shouts to Coney, and we just, like, every time... I'd be like, all right, man, I think I'm going to go to sleep. People are like, wait, 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 did you see this? And then we would have to, like, read another one. And um, I, yeah, I can't remember which night that was, but I know that it, that same night, I think that was probably the same night that Nairo got outed, that, like, seven war stories came out uh, at the same time. And, um, yeah, just to me, I, I don't really know what, like, sparked the first person to do such, but I do know that, like, it was more, a lot, it was probably, like, a lead-by-example type deal with everybody else who decided to come out uh, with their stories after. I think the Nairo thing was the first thing I saw, like the first notable, I don't, I don't like using the word notable, but like known player on like a big pedestal that was 
also involved with another really known player, which I think is another reason why people felt so encouraged and like relieved so, that they could actually talk about this stuff because it's not just like it's not just randoms anymore. Can you guys right. tell tell me who Naira is and what happened with Naira? Nairo is well, Nairo's pretty much the face of like the other side of the Smash community. Like he he was any of the like the Brawl, the uh Smash 4 and the Ultimate like he was pretty much at the forefront of that for like a long time. Uh, he was also, I think he probably was the biggest streamer uh, for Smash on Twitch. Um, yeah, if it, it was, it was between him and Mango. Well, Mango's probably bigger than him, but as far as like not melee, he was pretty much the biggest. And uh, he, um, he had a sexual relationship with a minor. Um, like I guess three years, two years ago or whatever, and covered it up by paying said person with hush money. And uh and I guess they both covered up the story for a long time because that, that rumor had been around for a while. And then um on this said night, uh Captain Zach, the uh other member, decided to tell the truth. And the truth was that that like you know they did have like a relation uh ship of some sort. Um, before it was legal, like Captain Zach's eighteen now, but you know at the time I think he was fifteen or sixteen when it when it happened. So Nairo and Captain Zach are both males. Yes. yes. Okay. And and so I, I guess so. S- Captain Zach sort of said that this did happen, and then yes. sort of what what happened after that. Uh, Nairo deleted his account. Um, and then came back to say, I guess, like, he apologized for letting everybody down, and then he deleted his account again. And his, like, I'm sure that, I'm sure that he lost a sponsor, because, I mean, he, he was sponsored by NRG. That's gone. Um, I think his Twitch account just got banned. And, uh, yeah, he's kind of, he's been gone ever since. Like, we have, ever since that day, like, we have not heard anything from him. Uh, I don't think he has Twitter accounts up or anything like that. Hmm. Okay. And so... Before- there was a case involving uh, a well-known ultimate player named Ally, um, in which the code of conduct gave him a lifetime ban for having a, an underage relationship with Zach as well. Um, so yeah. there's a lot, a lot of um, layers and uh, complexities to, to that case as well, to Nairo's case as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say that the other big name that got Bobby, were you going to say something? I was just going to ask, would y'all agree that like when you get into the deed, like some of the details are kind of messed up. In other words, like that, that's the way that it went down, but kind of like the way in which the hush money and the, um, you know, I, my, my impression was that Captain Zach had a hell of a time. Um, you know, it was not, it wasn't just, uh, like there's details that make it worse. Yes, would y'all right. agree with that? Like most of these stories, it's like, there's a story and then you kind of, it's like, okay, that sounds not good, uh, but you don't know until you hear the details, and then the details usually make it worse, like okay, considerably so, worse, yeah, where it's, it's like... It's hard to talk about. People are not really treating one another with respect, and people are forcing... Generally, what I've heard is that people with power and with a pet, you know, people who have, let's call it clout, which we should probably talk about, they've generally, like, abused their power, um, and people who do not have power have really suffered, and we heard a lot about it. And the stories that came out were over i would have to say like a 10 year span i mean i feel like we heard about stuff that happened in 2011 2012 so the floodgates really opened up um hugs would what y'all agree it, those are the go ahead i was just gonna say so so hugs kind of commented that it's it's hard to share the details why is that 
Um, well, that month when all of that went down, I think that was probably the roughest of the whole pandemic and one of the roughest months that I've ever gone through because a lot of these people at one point were my friends. And um, when you would read the details, you had to um, acknowledge that they weren't the people that you thought they were. They weren't uh, good as you thought they were. And um, it, it was really a battle throughout that time to cope with that. And so to uh, discuss details is to re-acknowledge what had happened. And um, that, not that, not that you shouldn't, right? But it's just, it's just a difficult thing to, to, to get into detail about. And some of it is just uh, straight up uh, unpleasant to hear about, period, like whether it was a friend or not. So, um, yeah, it's, it was all fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for lack of a better term, that's it, that's really what it is. I mean, it's it's the language that you're just not used to using. I don't think I've said sexual assault or rape in like this much in a long time, um, or like just you know the like things of that nature. And then on top of that, it's the people that it is uh, seeing that like you know when it comes to like the commentators that uh, had got um, outed. A lot of these people, like you know, I sat next to, like I worked with, I, I considered them friends, you know, and. Uh, what and it's like what you don't expect like? to oh to 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 feel those people kind of fade away <laughs> just to just to sit next to someone for to have these people as friends and and kind of read about you know what I'm almost hearing is like there's some amount of like protection you can offer yourself as long as you hear uh, things in in broad strokes, but once the details uh, start to come out, what I'm hearing from hugs is that there's like there's actually like a challenging internal emotional experience yeah i mean it, it's like for instance like me and senpai were like really close you know what i'm saying like we uh for for uh context senpai was one of the first people that got out of it um she was a female commentator she had a sexual relationship with a minor um that rumor had been going on for years uh sometime i think it was like around 2015 2016 um, and that rumor had been going on for years, and then this person uh, finally came out and said that that rumor is true, and it had like explicit detail, all that good stuff. So uh, she has since not said anything. She has not. Uh, she didn't even make like a tweet, like a apologizing, no nothing. She just literally ghosted. She hasn't streamed. She hasn't tweeted. None of that. Um, she so we and her really close, gap, right? huh? That one was a ten year age gap, right? Yes, like fourteen yes, to twenty four. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. 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 So um, she has, you know, like we were really close because like I had originally she had approached me about how to get into like commentary. And I was like, oh, word, like it would be nice to see some more, you know, uh, women faces on commentary. Like, let's work on your craft or whatever. So like I would do a lot of locals with her, whatever, whatever. And thus we end up getting close. Um, and then to for that to come out, like it was a shock to the point where I like I had texted her like before it had got big. And I was like, bro, is this like is this like really facts? And she never texted me back. So I'll just, you know, it's like a, a, a knee jerk reaction. You're like, I want to believe that you're not this person, but like, I have no reason to do that outside of like, I don't know, blind stupidity. Like all the facts are here and I'm getting, so now I'm getting like this new mental image of you and it's hard to like balance it with the current mental image I have of you. And yeah, you that's, that's like, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say that was the hardest part with that is that you have 
this image that you've crafted of this person through all the years that you've known these different people. And then now you have to, uh, you know, match that with what you're seeing now in this awful person that you're reading about. And then, um, it, it's a challenge to, to, to know a person one way and then discover them another. And then having that's, that's what that whole month, that's what made that entire month so difficult. It's just that, that idea of changing a person that you knew, um, for all those years and turning them into what they were actually doing. Um, I've never had to do that in my life. So it was, a what very, was that like difficult time? Bugs? Terrible. Um, because um, it kind of, it shakes you because uh, there are, I, I wouldn't say it makes you mistrust people. It's more that um, um, you had these people that you made yourself vulnerable with uh, to, to allow them into your life, to be your friend, etc. And to find out that they could be this way towards other people, it just, um, I, I don't know. It, I'm sorry, I can't describe it very well, but it was just fucking terrible. <laughs> sorry, you feel, I'm you feel betrayed, <laughs> right? I feel like the community is like the what I've seen is that people feel betrayed by Be, a lot of people. Betrayed. Um, also, uh, also, you wonder if like if you could have done something about it. If um, you know, if if you had any hand in 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 letting them get away with this, even though that's kind of silly, right? Like no one could have done. A, a lot about a lot of these things that happen, but um, yeah, you just kind of go through those uh, motions when you're hearing that kind of news. So I'm hearing betrayal. I'm hearing bizarrely. And let's remember that sometimes feelings aren't logical, but uh, I'm, I'm almost, almost wondering whether hug sort of feels some amount of irrational responsibility. Yeah, uh, for sure. But I mean, that, that also comes with the territory of these people being a part of, our community. So you, you feel like this is something that was happening under your own roof. And in that sense, I think a lot of us here have been, um, have felt responsible for the community in some kind of way. Like we've contributed it, uh, to it a lot throughout the years, every single person here. And so when this thing happens under your own roof, you do take, uh, some kind of uh, sense of responsibility or at least thinking what you could have done to prevent it uh, to prevent it and um yeah and then yeah even uh then then there are also even thoughts of self-reflection like how how you might have been uh problematic at some point for different people not to the same degree but you know it, it was just a whole lot of reflection uh for all these different kinds of things hmm interesting yeah i think i think the self-reflection was a really big one to you because like you know you you um like it's almost like the self-reflection plus also seeing like certain patterns that you may have not recognized uh before you know what i mean like you you have your your like one wild friend or whatever and like you would write it off oh he's just wild you know whatever whatever but then like after everything started coming out you really start to look at some of your interactions with like your friends and be like man that actually wasn't okay and i should have said something and so now with this current new knowledge, that's like if we ever get back to tournaments, you know, coing barred uh, or sent away that like we have this new knowledge of, you know, what we can do to help uh, in the heat of the moment. Instead of like waiting for moments like this where everything has to come tumbling down, we could just say something in that moment 
that like will get the point across. Hey, bro, like she said, no. Hey, bro, like you know you're being a little too like aggressive, something like that. You know, just simple stuff that could literally uh, change the whole narrative that night of that outcome just by making someone aware that maybe the way that they're uh, acting or or the way that they are um, like you know appearing or whatever is not uh, is not okay. What I'm hearing from TK is that there, in hindsight, there may have been a couple of red flags, you know, yes. and, and, and so like, what are some of those red flags? I see Jisoo nodding emphatically. I mean, like, I'll just tell you straight up as like, I, I think it's not to blame guys, but I think it's hard when like, you're not like their main target, right? Like if you're, let's say you're a girl, you walk in the venue and like, I think for some people it's really hard to speak or hard to see, especially if you're new to the scene, but like, you know, guy walks up to you is like, Hey, do you want to play some games? Or like, do you want to get food? Or like, what's your name? And they just have this really vested interest in you for whatever reason, total stranger. And like, you know, when I came to my first tournament, I, I was just young and naive. Like I just thought these guys were really nice, but you know, <laughs> I quickly learned very quickly. I was like, you know, I, I immediately learned. I'm like, okay, this, this, this is kind of weird because they're very insistent. And then that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh, they're just, I don't know what kind of language you guys use, but they're just, they're just thirsty as fuck. So like, that's, that's, that's how like. Did you, how did you learn that, Jisoo? I mean, they'll just like, they'll, they're, they're, there's like the normal boundaries of like wanting to get to know someone. Like, so like, like, you know, I, I, I would consider myself a pretty interesting person. So I wouldn't, I would give the benefit of the doubt if some random person, regardless of their identity, wants to get to know me. It's like, hey, we can just have a conversation. But like, that's, that's organic. That's natural, you know? Um, if it starts veering into territory where they pursue you, um, and I use the word pursue very like carefully because like, like, you know, things can develop naturally. Like, I'm friends with a lot of these people in the scene and like things are totally, platonic and fine but there are people who you can tell like they'll they'll be flirty um they'll try to like get you into their room they'll they'll use really like slimy methods to like initiate some kind of like physical or like sexual relation with you or maybe maybe they'll start it off emotionally you know like they'll like try to like like psychologically or emotionally like bring you into like being dependent or like them being dependent on you and um like Okay, like a, like, a, like a really good example of this, for instance, right? Uh, like the whole the whole D one thing, which by the way, that was horrible. Like he he's like he's such a big figure in the scene, um, and I've like he just to give you guys some context, like he was I literally grew up with him, and like he would call me like his little sister, and it's just like it's it's messed up. But anyways, um, you know, what oh, happened? D one, who was D one, and what happened? He's just, um, so he's like a super veteran in the scene. Um, like, like hugs, hugs would know him. Um, all, I mean, all of us know him really well. And he was just like a front facing community member. Like Nintendo loved him. Um, he was always at every big like public event and he's like this big commentator personality. Um, and like, you can't go through like any major smash video without D1 in it. Like, it's just, that's just like fact. Um, and, um, basically like, you know, there's, there's a story of him that came out during July where, um, he 
basically like and th- this this story told a lot like he he lured a girl a new girl into his hotel room under the guise of like hey how as a woman you know what's your experience in the community but what it actually turned out to be was him using that as a vehicle to try and take advantage of her um and like you can you can like search these stories up like they're not they're like all publicly out there but the point being is that like you know he knew that he knew using that topic as the opener like that that was him trying to emotionally like connect with her and make him seem like he's her friend but his end goal was you know just take advantage of her and there's there's repeated this happens like repeatedly from people like that like from predators and you'll that's a pattern that you'll see once like if you go over all these stories like you know you can just be friendly with a girl but if you're doing it multiple times and doing manipulative things like that you know that's definitely a red flag so can so i also I, say oh go ahead go for it piggy you haven't had a chance to jump in a little while so i just wanted to return to this idea of emotional reactions to what has occurred because my reaction has been very different than what um like hugo and tk are describing so when I, all these allegations started coming out, um, all these accusations and people feeling shocked and betrayed, I really just felt searing white rage. Because like Risu, I've experienced so much uh, predatory behavior, um, sexual advances, uh, and harassment by the community, disbelief by the community. You know, your average guy, you tell him like, oh, that guy's creeping me out. And they're like, no, he's a good guy. So none of this surprised me. I mean... The fact that, like, Zero made it as far as he did without getting called out, or Nairo, or D1, like, that, that's a little surprising. That shows an enormous systemic problem, right? But but the fact that people do bad things to each other, and people leverage uh, uh, minority status, for example, or, uh, or power imbalances, whether it's because of fame and not fame, all of those things are a given for me about human behavior and especially behavior within esports because we have no safety protocols um, that would otherwise discourage those kinds of things from happening. So when we talk about the emotions of all these things are coming out, my first was like, why didn't you listen to any of us before? You know, when these things would come out every six weeks, everyone would find an excuse to like, oh, well, she actually did this. But it took an entire outpouring of 90 stories for you to like look at your fellow friends and be like, maybe I need to hold this guy accountable. I'm not saying anybody here like has done anything wrong. Um, I hung out with all of you and, you know, I wouldn't want to be talking with you if I didn't feel comfortable here. But like, like it was messed up that like with all the credibility that I have, because I've never most people don't even know what I look like, like online until pretty recently. And, like, I've had people think that I was a guy for years. But, like, I thought it was messed up when, like, I was saying everything I was saying. And immediately, because I'm trying to cancel one of their favorites, they're like, oh, there's, like, absolutely zero credence. And it took, it didn't take me fighting for myself. It took me going to my friends who are guys who had bigger platforms to back me up. And it took multiple of them for them to believe me. It's like, what? Like, I've never lied. Why would I lie about this right now? Peggy, what happened when, so it sounds like you had tried to speak up or things had happened to you in the past and I'm sort of getting, when you sort of say white hot rage, I'm, I'm sort of hearing that maybe you've been like, this was expected and this has been going on and you knew it was a problem for a long time and that people didn't listen. 
So what can, can you share with us like what you tried to say in the past or what your experiences of harassment were? Um, so I wrote an article, I'll send you the link because it, it goes into the history a little bit more uh, than I can in the space of time we have today. But some things within six months of entering Smash, the only other girl that I hung out with at the men at, at my locals was sexually assaulted. She told our TO, he's like, you don't have any proof. So uh, nothing was done. Um, so she started going to Smash Fests, which are smaller parties that happen at people's houses rather than organized venues with tournament organizers. And she was sexually assaulted there by another guy who said he was comforting her about her first sexual assault. And, you know, I'm like 21 and I'm like, wow, that's messed up. What can we do? So I talked to her. We talked about police reports. But guess what? Police are not designed to handle sexual violence because the kinds of proof that emerge out of sexual violence cases are not um, have never been prioritized by the law. So, for example, uh, the people people like to talk about emotions versus logic, hard versus soft proof. But in the end, there are. Um, for a complex phenomenon, there are going to be multiple different sources of um, information that are going to say, okay, this is what most likely happened, right? But because uh, police and the law are trying to actually limit someone's physical freedoms, there's a higher standard of proof, right? But we're in the Smash community here. And uh, there, so if somebody says, a guy raped me, why isn't that enough? Um, and of course, you have to, you have to get uh, as much confirmation as you can. Right. But like, we're not locking somebody away. But if when when an accusation like that comes out, we're just saying, I don't want to play this guy in bracket anymore. Um, so from the very first beginning of Smash, then to me trying to educate about um, uh, gender differences, for example, in uh, reaction time and stuff like that. And people are like, oh, testosterone, trying to make giant. Diff- <sighs> Sorry trying to uh, make the differences between like men and women uh, justify their treatment, their different treatment of women, right? Like that's, I've seen that harassment myself, my work, uh, I've been trying to be fired uh, since July because people said I knew about the Naira situation and I didn't, but what can you do? <laughs> you can't, you can't prove that, but someone on the internet can look up your work address and decide to email your whole department saying what a, what a pedal protector you are. Um, and I submitted one story uh, in the July events. I um, described an interaction with um, somebody that made me uncomfortable because it matched up with the stories of several other people. But other than that, I have not uh, uh, accused anyone of anything um, because I've walked through the Smash community my entire life in fear. I've never left a drink alone. I've never gone to a guy's hotel room without somebody else knowing where I was. I've always roomed with other women. Uh, I've done so much. I've been so hyper vigilant to protect myself because I knew what people are capable of from the very first get go. So I, I just I feel raged because I've seen dozens of these stories come out over the years. And I just want to say, and you've been working really hard, like on the front lines of the code of conduct initiative. So Piggy's been like putting uh you put a lot of your own time and energy in over a course of years to try to make a difference in the community and that is a thankless job and there's very i mean if you try to make cultural change it's a really slow uh and yeah it's like it's a a hard fight to fight so uh just wanted to make that known you know the the rage is super justified because i mean i've seen piggy struggle for a long time to make a positive impact and like help people feel safe at tournaments and yeah, to feel that a lot of people don't give a shit or, you know, are critical of the work that um, that they've done. Like, I don't know. Uh, that's kind of, I 
understand the rage. Like that seems like completely, yeah. So what I would Thank expect. You, yeah. Firmly. And I would say that what I've been saying to you just now, what I've been speaking about is only my personal experience. I haven't even scratched the surface of like code of conduct, systemic answers to what we've exactly. been seeing. Yeah. I'm trying to say there's layers to your rage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're only talking about one slice of it. So you, you want, uh, sorry, you were, you wanted to say something. Is it Risu or Jisu? I know Jisoo, so I, I get that there's there's another girl, her name's Jisoo in the community, and that, that happens all the time. Jisoo. Okay, Jisoo. Um, so you, you wanted to say something, Jisoo? Yeah, so, I mean, I think one of the main concerns, because, like, I think, like, like I, I, I totally empathize, like, with Dr. Piggy's, like, with your perspective, but I think just, like, like, since we're on such a large platform right now, like, you know, saying things like, oh, like, if there's no proof, we need to believe women, like, obviously... This is this is actually something that I addressed because um, I had this other big talk with a bunch of other community members, like right after this all happened, like in July, um, because I think it's hard for people to understand where a victim is coming from. Um, and like, you know, like logically speaking, yeah, it sounds absurd to like not demand proof. Um, but like, you know, let's, let's just take like anecdotal evidence, for instance, right? Let's say you're a girl, you go to a tournament and then some guy walks up and like, just like touches you He's, like very inappropriately, like he touches your boob or something. It's like, and you're not, you're not going to have like a camera on you at all times. Like, that's just like, that's insane. Um, and like, you know, there's all, then you get into all the, the, what's the word the slippery slope arguments like oh she was acting a certain way oh she was dressed like this oh she was you know she was asking for it and it's just like no 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 one ever is you know nine times out of ten they're really not um and i I, you know there are stories that of people making stuff up obviously um like we're not going to pretend like there aren't self-interested like by the way i think those people are even like not not to put on like a moral scale but like if you make shit up to cancel someone like actually just for like your 10 seconds of fame you're a piece of shit so anyways like if you you know there are people who do that and that's totally acknowledged but this problem the problem is still like the systemic issues with the world at large because in my case I had years of proof. I had years of chat logs. I had photos. I had messages. I had, I mean, I had tons of anecdotal evidence. I had a lot of people volunteer coming up to me being, being like, Hey, if you need a witness, I'm, I'm here for you. And like, even when I presented this to a lawyer and like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tiptoe around this anymore. Like I was just straight up like statutory raped. Like I was groomed for years. Um, like they just, they just didn't care. And even with all this proof, and keep in mind, I'm already putting in the time to go to this lawyer or go to multiple of them. And it costs money to do that. You know, they cost like $50 an hour or so. They, they, a lot of them, the one that I stuck with, um, he, he actually said he would prefer to go about it in a business direction because if you go about it the other way, it gets really messy. And I'm like, I don't know how it could be any, I don't know how it could be any more clean cut than what I have because there's literally proof you know, from for years worth of proof, but they wanted to go about that way. And even when I had, you know, when I was being threatened, like, oh, I'm going to leak these nudes. And like, they like sent it to me, which by the way, were taken without my permission. Like, and so that, that, you know, those are the first times I'm seeing, I was in shock. I, uh, I called the police. I was freaking out obviously. And like, I showed them everything and they said they can't do anything. It's like, what the, (laughs) what do you mean? 
you can't do anything. And like, I think there's cases even now where like stalkers or girls, girl streamers or people online, they have stalkers and like, there's literally mounds of proof. Like everyone can tell that this guy's a problem, but like the police won't do anything. And it's because police, the law is designed to be reactive, not preventative. And in cases of like sexual assault, it's like, that's, that's not, that's not logical. Um, so I think like, you know, if, like I said, if, one one instance of a guy being friendly to a girl, whatever. Okay, multiple instances. You know, I'll use a good example. Anti, like he has a track record of like literally all the women in the community hating him. It's like okay, maybe we should actually like look into that. Like maybe one or two of those women are just making shit up. But like I don't think I don't think all two hundred of them would. You know, and I'm sure I'm sure the number is greater. To be honest, but yeah. Wow, you see that that's that's crazy. Um, and, and I appreciate you not tiptoeing around it because I, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier that speaking out is hard and, it is. It's and, really hard. and so I, I, and, you know, people are sort of talking about how it's hard to face the details and I'm just trying to figure out, you know, sure we have emotional reactions that want us to stay silent, but my sense is that you know, when we let our emotions sort of dictate our behavior without true awareness of like what's going on, that's really when we get into trouble. It doesn't, I mean, sure, we're talking about sexual and assault, assault and stuff right now, but I think that's true of all kinds of things that, and so I'm, I'm kind of curious, can you explain to me what the word, and if, if you don't want to talk about this, that's totally fine. Um, but uh, can you explain? Yeah, so let me just take a step back. So I think part of the problem with not talking about details is you guys use this term like psychologically manipulative, right? So you're like, oh, some people in the scene are psychologically manipulative. I'm imagining that there's a 16-year-old kid out there who like is walking down the street and then it's like, oh, that's psychological manipulation. Like no one knows what this looks like. No one knows what it feels like. Right. Like if we listen to Jisoo, it's sort of like, oh, like I think about myself as an inherently interesting person. And so when people come up to me, I think part of the problem with glossing over details is that no one has known what this looks like. And the yeah. more explicit we make things like TK saying, hey, they're like actually red flags, which no one knew were red flags. And why is that? I think it's probably because some things are not explicit. And so can you tell us if you feel comfortable what grooming looks like? Yeah, I mean, like I said, my story is like all out on the table. Um, it's not, it is always hard to talk about it. So like, again, like if anybody, if you're ever facing the situation where somebody's like, you can see it happening, like I would try to be as understanding towards them as possible. Um, that all being said, like, you know, in my case, and in a lot of these cases, frankly, it's pretty obvious. Um, and it starts with, it starts with the power imbalances, for sure. Uh, like, if you're to just isolate even just like the ages of a lot of things, like with my dude, he's like 10 years older than me. Um, and like, you know, in, in Puppe's case, it was the same thing. And like, in, al in almost all these cases, it starts off with like an age difference. And with an age difference, there comes like a, like a mentality difference too, obviously, like, you know, one person's an adult or should be, um, and the other person's literally a child. And, you know, in no case should you ever expect the child or the younger one to make the right decisions. 
you know, they're, they're, they're impressionable. They're young. That's, that's literally by definition what a child is. And, you know, people with predatory mindsets, they seek out people who are easily manipulated and that, that tends to be children. Um, And like, you know, if you start off with like just a really obvious fact like that, and then you get a bunch of other factors going into like, let's say, let's say two people are the same age in the Smash community. Okay. But then one person has like a hundred thousand followers. And then the other one is like literally a newbie, but the other one's a girl. And like, you know, the person with a hundred thousand followers, they, they're like, Oh, I want to like, I want to have sex with her. And it's just like, like they'll, they'll do everything they can to, this is how you can tell someone's manipulative. They'll do everything they can to ride up to that certain line where everything's okay. But as soon as they realize they can't get what they want, they just, they skirt. Okay. Now some people, and these are usually the people who do get caught, right? They'll, if they're not smart about it, they'll skirt that line, they'll trip, and then they'll, they'll do something bad, and then they'll get caught, and they'll, they'll face the punishments logically, right? You know, that you would think that happened. Unfortunately, a lot of times it actually doesn't happen. But the smart manipulators, they'll always ride that line. And again, that's another reason why that it's been so hard for people to call these things out, even like me from my position, where I've like literally heard so many rumors, and I think all of us have. It's because we, they, like, they, these big people are smart enough to skirt that line where anything that they're doing, they choose victims who they know are never going to speak out or don't have impact or like, we won't believe them. Right. And they'll always choose to do their actions outside of the public eye or in a way where it's very ambiguous and they could just feign ignorance um, and get away with it. And I'll say in like the particular case of like grooming, like, you know, like if you're, if you're a child and like someone's taking advantage of you, um, it's really hard for the child to know that, especially like in my case, I was a runaway. Like I literally was like, I had, I almost had like no choice, but to interact with the people that I was with. Um, and it was hard for me to separate somebody just caring for me versus like them trying to take advantage of me because I didn't, I couldn't really tell the difference. Like in a lot of ways, like, oh, they are doing this nice thing for me, but then, you know, is it really nice if they're trying, they're doing it to get something in return? Um, and I mean, the obvious answer to that is no. I, I hope, I hope so, we all know that. So um, can I like, say, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I just wanted to, I, I wanted to ask you to be, uh, and let me know if this is not okay, but I wanted you to, I wanted to ask you to be more specific because once again, you're talking about, you know, know, you can't tell the difference between caring. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Screamed when I was 14 by an 18 year old guy. And the way it started out was a friend introduced us and she was like, Hey, you both like video games. So we chat on aim about video games. And at some point he's like, do you have a crush on anybody? And so we would talk about crushes and a girl he liked at school. And then he showed me a picture of the girl he liked at school. And he's like, uh, do you think she's pretty? And I'm like, yeah, she's really pretty. Uh, she's also got really big boobs. And he's like, oh, I wondered if you would say something about that. So then suddenly it was okay for us to talk about boob. And then eventually it got to the point where it was okay for us to talk about, do we have, do we masturbate? Do we have sex? Do we? Uh, and then it got to the point where he's like, well, what does your body look like? You know, are you comfortable in yourself? And sometimes he would do it in very slimy ways. So he would say, oh God, I just hate the way my chest looks. Like, can you tell me if this is normal? And he'd send me a picture of his chest and it'd be like, Oh yeah, you're fine. Like 
And so now I'm used to seeing a guy's chest when I'm 14 years old in my AM inbox, right? Like these things happen. The, the whole grooming itself is slow eroding of boundaries. So if you just walked up to a kid and you like lift your shirt up and said, does my chest look normal? They're going to like have a fear response, right? But grooming specifically is the act of, of taking that fear away, tr- trying to make somebody safe and until their boundaries are gone. And then you can then you can have sex with them if you want, right? Because mm. they don't they think, oh, I'm special. We have a special relationship. We've talked about this for a long time. This person doesn't want to hurt me. And then they they just fall for it. Um, and that that's not the fault of any child. That's the fault of the adult that that does those manipulative things. So if you're a kid, 14, 15, 16, whatever, and somebody way more famous than you starts taking an interest, well, just remember your boundaries. You have to remember um, what does this person stand to gain from me. Um, and of course, you never want to think that about somebody you're talking to. You want to think that they're good and that they like you, right? Um, but we also should be aware that not everybody's good. Thanks a lot for sharing that, um, Piggy. I, th- I think that's sort of exactly what I was kind of looking for, because I think that clearly demonstrates, I like the way that you sort of talk about eroding of boundaries. Um and sort of in a gradual way, we sort of heard that from Jisoo too about, you know, sort of like a gradual process. Um, also, like, I mean, I'm I'm hearing this theme of power come up a lot. Like Jisoo was saying that you were saying that, like, you know, you sort of literally didn't have anyone else. And so. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, 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 forgive me for like stepping around so much because in my no, case, fine. like the story is literally, it's literally years long. So like. Sure. You know, and the, like like Doctor Doctor Piggy, Piggy described, um, it's like they get you to trust them. And for me, that took years because, like, this person, they they only ever wanted they only they only they painted it like they only ever wanted to be friends. But they were so friendly to the point where it was like, you know, clearly something else is going on and it's weird. Like we would talk like every day. And it would just be about, like, interesting, normal stuff. Like, at the time, like, I was really into Smash. And, like, I'd be like, hey, can you help me with the game? And, like, that's kind of how it started off. And we would talk about, like, game mechanics. We were both really into art. I would, like, talk about art with them. So it's, like, we're just friends. Um, But, like, slowly over the years, uh, you know, things would get weird. Where, like, you know, they're like, oh, I have feelings for you. And I'm like, okay, well... I, I don't know what to do about that. And at this point, like, I'm already, like, I, I was already, I already ran away. Um, so I was, like, stuck living with them in, like, the Sky House. Um, and that was basically... Um, so you ran away and you were living with this person? Yeah. So, like, I started talking to them when I was 15. And, like, at the time, like, I just, I was, like super miserable at home um and i just like needed a way out basically and they offered me a way out they're like hey do you want to move in with me and my friends at this like big house and like just like pursue your dreams because all i want to do is art that's and, like that's that's how i got to know them right i got to get to know them through games and art and we're like yeah we can work on this big project together it'll be great i'm like okay cool so i just like i straight up like dropped out of high school um and i was like i just ran away with them um and like my uh like my my family and stuff they 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 talked to my abuser and they were under the guise that it was like some sort of internship or something so that's that's how my family stayed out of it but like my family is so aloof with me that like 
they like they really don't give a shit about what I do so um like that's how I got away with it and so I'm living with this person and like like I said it starts off we start off very friendly uh but the friendly interactions were so consistent and like he had such like a vested like like interest in just paying attention to me that that in itself is strange right um but again he would never do anything to cross the line so kind of how it evolved is that once he like came forward to me that he had feelings um and like I was younger and like I had feelings for him too I was like very impressionable and like this person's paying a lot of attention to me and they're like really good at this game and this scene that like and they're all they're, he's friends with like all these higher up players and like they're all super good and wow like you know I thought it was really cool at the time um like that's that's kind of like how I like felt like I got like really like infatuated with it almost and um like I'm trying I'm trying to be specific but also like I said there's just like so be much as, history be as vague this. as you want to don't worry about it keep going I mean like just, just let's just let's just like basically when he when he started to get like sexual with it I was like at that point I was already reeled in like I was already gonna say yes so like he had done his part to make sure I trusted him and before any of this actually happened too this is a really important thing um he made sure that I was isolated from everyone else in my life like when we lived there he immediately from the bat like when we like once we moved in and got to know everybody he told me behind my behind everyone's back he's like hey i don't like these people don't get close to them like he just straight up said that and so you know me only knowing him i was like i just i just trusted him so i mean i always thought that was suspicious but at the same time i had like no one else there because you know it's a sky house and like the other big guy who's in power there is also very sus and I, I also felt that immediately off very the bat, what? very suspicious. Um, like I don't know if you've heard of all the Sky stuff, but um, like Sky Williams, Mm-mm. he's taken I mean, loans totaling over like two hundred thousand dollars. I know Sky is, Sky has come on the stream several times. Yeah, so I know Sky Williams well, but oh, sorry, wow. I, at least from a. <laughs> you might want to do some digging. You don't have to dig far, anyways. <laughs> like. He he just like I just had these two suspicious figures to go to, but I'm gonna trust the one that I've known way longer, obviously, and I was really good friends with. Um, and like he wanted to get sexual with it, so I just like did whatever he wanted pretty much. And um like it it, it was only after like and I didn't know any better. Like like I said, I was a really misguided youth who like just really all I wanted to do was draw so like as long as I got to do that I really didn't give a shit but as I got older as an adult and when things were starting to go south between us I like realized you know this person doesn't care about me they only did all these things to take advantage advantage of me um and when I thought that you know they really cared and I think this is kind of the feeling we're all getting from hearing all these stories about these people because they're almost like family members to us at this point it's like hearing like your family do something really shitty and you just can't believe it like this person when we ran like this business together that's another reason why I stayed with them for so long like when it came down to it he refused to like split anything evenly with me and that even included like all my artwork the money like the the resources, like the inventory, all of that. He insisted that it was because of him that I was able to do everything 
that mm-hmm. we had done. I was like, that that was the last straw. I was like, okay, this guy is a piece of shit. Like, I can't believe I trusted him. That like, you know, he's finally showing his true colors. Um, and like after years and years of being like quote unquote best friends, you know, it's hard to erode that. Like that that really was everything that needed to be said. And even worse came came all the troubles when I would try to like basically get him to admit to what he did you know like he he made sure that I was manipulated into not telling anybody about anything until I was legal so that he wouldn't face any like actual legal legal repercussions which again like I want to say he like he knows the line like he knows that if any of this got out or if there's any proof of him doing anything while I'm a minor he's fucked so he does everything he can to get me to shut up and make sure that he doesn't have anything um, on him. You know, just like how, like, Nairo is giving Captain Zack $2,000 a month to have him not say anything, you know? Because the, all these guys, these guys, that's what I'm talking about with manip- manipulation and grooming is, like, they know what they're doing. They know the laws. They know what the, co- the consequences are. And they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that they don't face them. Wow. that's That's really helpful. Thank you for sharing all that. I'm kind of noticing <laughs> in a weird way, I, like, I think it's interesting what, what I'm hearing here. So, you know, there's isolation. I'm I'm just trying to, so let me just take a step back. So part of the reason that I was really, um, in a sense, excited, although it's a weird word to use in this context, to have this conversation with you folks is because I don't know how things change. And in my experience, if you want something to change, you have to understand it first. You have to know what it looks like. Like if I want to diagnose COVID in someone, I have to know what the symptoms of COVID are. And the fact that that the Me Too movement is so widespread, not just in the gaming community, it feels like the gaming community was lagging behind like the rest of the world in some ways. But the fact that it's so widespread and systemic makes me think that like this is still going on. A bunch of people getting outed in like one wave like people will have calmed down, but I think like within a few months or a year or two, like this is going to come up again. Cause I don't think there's been a purge, but there hasn't been like any kind of systemic change that's happened yet. Maybe that's what Piggy's been trying to do with the code of conduct or something like that. And so my approach is to try to like, like what we do on stream is try to educate people and help them understand like, what are they looking for? or What are they looking at? And and the reason that I was, I really appreciate what you guys shared is because I'm noticing like now a pattern, right? So if I'm like a 17 year old kid who is started streaming on Twitch and then a group of people like reach out to me and then like, what are the things that I like, what are the check boxes, right? That, that this person that tries to isolate you, that they erode your boundaries. And like, literally, what is that? What does that look like? That looks, that looks like they never do anything wrong. If they did a little bit more, it would be wrong. But they never really do anything wrong. Yeah. And that at least Huh? At least at least they're really smart ones. Yeah. Um, I I think my situation took so long cuz he literally played everything correctly. Like like I said the law looked at the situation and anybody who knows what happened, they we all kind of looked at it and we're like, "Wow. We really just got played." And that's kind of how you feel after all of this. Yeah, so so that I think brings up a re- another really good point, which is that from the perspective of the person who's getting groomed, I'm noticing that there's a lot of really authentic 
feeling of caring both ways. This person really cares about me, and I really care about them. We're important to each other, right? And even in retrospect, it may feel false, but in that moment, I can imagine that it feels like really, really caring. I'm noticing there's also like a certain amount of like unyieldingness on the part of the person who's doing the grooming, right? It's like subtle and it's covered in velvet, but it's like made of iron. That there are some things that they're very, very like harsh or strict about. Don't become friends with anyone else in the house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then I, I think the other thing that, that, you know, just in terms of a red flag is like, Things that are done in secret. Right? And like, like I'm just trying to envision, like if I were trying to educate, I have two daughters, and if I was trying to educate them about like what to look out for, you know, it's going to be someone who tries to isolate you that you care about, and that you feel like cares about you, and that they ask you to do things in secret. So and it's your special secret. It's yep. not just, it, other people wouldn't understand. Exactly. And... And so if you find yourself having those kinds of thoughts, like, oh, I know that this looks bad, but this is different because they really care about me. Like, there's a part where I think, huh? Go ahead, Bobby. I was just going to say, the other thing is that a lot of these people were pretty well respected and trusted in the scene. So to an outside observer, they looked like trustworthy people. Um, And that, that to me feels like it's particular, that makes it even harder. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, go ahead. I also want to point out um, another sign to look out for is an unreasonable amount of investment in the person where uh, y- you have to ask yourself, well, why is all this investment going into me? Don't you have other friends? Don't you have other people that like they isolate themselves too? And uh, to the point where it just doesn't make sense how a this brand new relationship and they, I guess they try to convince you that this is different from the outside world when really if you're just like a, a, a nice caring person, you should have that relationship with several people in my opinion. In some abuse relationship conversations, you call it a love bomb when they just hundred percent focus on you and the, the relationship escalates super quick. Um, and you don't have time to think about, oh, is this right? Am I comfortable? Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. I I just wanted to kind of offer a perspective I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, you know, it has to, you're, Dr. K, you were just asking about uh, what you say to your daughters. I mean, your your duty, your responsibility is to them. For us, you know, we feel, I think all of us feel responsibility towards the community more broadly. One of the things that I've thought about a lot is just the environment. And in the past, like, I remember we had a show at the Twitch office where people who were underage were, oh, maybe it wasn't at the Twitch office. Maybe it was somewhere else, but people were around booze and they were not old enough. And there were people there who were old enough to know that that was a problem, but we didn't say anything. Um, I feel that one of the things that helped us change the culture for the better in the past is when people uh, felt comfortable saying that they felt uncomfortable with something. And one of the things that this has highlighted for me is that there could be yellow flags going on that we don't, that I don't, it doesn't, I don't have the awareness to say yet. And then I'm developing that, but the awareness to say, Hey, who's in charge here? Cause like, we're doing something messed up. And like, I want to know that whoever's in charge of this get get together is responsible for making sure that people who are minors 
uh, are like not making bad decisions. I feel that one of the things that we could do to help is just get people better connected um, because it feels hard to me to, to feel like our solution is to help educate minors. You know, it's like, I want to be able to talk to people who are like top players and be able to hear from them. Or I want them to have people they could talk to when they're saying like, Hey, I'm feeling weird. I'm doing some shit. You know what I mean? Like a lot of this stuff I have to imagine happened without people really talking about what was going on at all. You know, there's like so much secrecy and I've been thinking about the environment that allows that kind of secrecy where things are just in sight, but nobody knows quite what's behind that story. Right. We're talking about rumors that have been around. Go ahead. I'm just saying you bring up the great point that we want to find somebody that our community is missing someone who's responsible, right? Who do you go to at the party? That's that's like, we don't allow an 18 year old. Um, Is it the tournament organizer? They're probably pretty busy right now trying to do pools and running things. Right. Yes. Um, Like who is responsible for looking out for a minor? Who is responsible for checking IDs or seeing who people go home with? Um, and I think there's something interesting about the history of Smash, the fact that we've been grassroots, means that we haven't had the kind of company funding or um, uh, adults who could come in and do that that job, right? There hasn't been anybody looking out for anybody's safety. Um, and and that's led to a lot of what we've seen. Uh, a lot yeah, of abuse. That's messed up in the first place, right? That we have environments that people can come in where there really isn't, no one's thinking about it. Like, yeah, that's... Yeah. You got a wild, wild west going on. There's going to be some problems in the in the saloon. I don't know if that was the right word. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what do you guys? Any other thoughts? I mean, we've been we've been talking for a little while. We focused. Uh, I've noticed hugs and TK have been. Yeah, go ahead, Bobby. The the two things that tripped me. Number one, I feel I was very naive about power. I think it that clout thing. Like I thought that was a meme, and people just talk about it. Whatever. Um, Seriously, I mean, Jesus, you remember we had a long conversation where I was like, I don't, th- I feel like I have no clout. You were like, are you kidding me? I don't, I feel like <laughs> I don't understand clout. I have a blind spot towards it, but the ways that people who have it can, the, the, the privileges that they have and their ability to manipulate, that has really uh, impacted me. And I've thought a lot about it. The second thing that's shaken me is that some people, it, a lot of people in in this kind of you know this me too wave they have been predators right like i feel empathy for people who slip up and make a mistake i definitely do because sometimes shit happens and we make bad decisions we're not proud of but being a predator is different than that being a predator implies intentionality it implies a lot that's not a crime of passion sort of thing and uh at minimum, I, I feel that if we can ha- if we can create an environment where at minimum we can catch predators, people who are trying right with intention, who are doing things intentionally, it, then that's a lot better than where where we are today. Yeah, I think like I mean in general that actually that swings into that, that kind of ties this together in a nice way because like Doctor Piggy, you were saying like there needs to be somebody that people can go to. And just, you know, with the whole how grassroots the scene is, I'm not, I, I, I'm like reading the chat. I think a lot of people are like kind of lost. Is like, you know, the Smash scene, it's not regulated by any big organization. Like it's, it's, it's literally us up here on the screen right now. It's people like us. It's the players, the commentators, the like content creators. Um, 
it's like we we are the people regulating it, but we have regular lives. Nintendo isn't doing anything, and they probably won't. I mean, I look at it. <laughs> so, um, like that all being said, like you know, it obviously can't be perfect, but I think it'd be interesting. It's one thing people do have to think about is that before all this came to light, people would go to people, but it's the people in power were the ones with all the clout, and you know, they're being all buddy-buddy with, like, other really nice people, and, you know, there's this whole kind of just, like, oh, they must be a good person, kind of accepted truth, and, like, so they'll go to them, and they'll go to people like D1, they'll go to people like, I don't know, like, Katar, or, like, just Sinpai, and, like, they'll, 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 they're beloved, you know, front-facing community members, and that's kind of why a lot of these people were also able to get away with it, because when you have such power, and you have so much, like, there's such a like imbalance, especially within a grassroots community where the people in charge are literally just the most popular people. Um, it's like, you know, there's the only real good way to go about fixing that, I, th- I think. And like, you can, Dr. Pig or anyone else here, you know, you guys have different perspectives on this. You can probably try to educate or illuminate more on it. But I feel like spreading awareness in this way and kind of establishing it as like the community tone, like, Hey, none of us are going to tolerate this. And, you know, not, not, doesn't matter how, like how big of your, your following is like, if all the big players, like, you know, like Luffin was on my side a lot, um, like Ludwig backed me up uh, and like, you know, Mango, all these people, they spoke out on it. Do you know how much power that has? And that, that doesn't, that, that doesn't require like Nintendo. That doesn't require like, like years worth of effort or just like going through the trouble of like trying to structureize some kind of like convoluted like like legal system within smash like that alone has so much power and because those people spoke up everyone else who's following them sees those things and now they're aware of it um so like i think i think like that plus having like people who they can go to like at events, like I, I would hope that, you know, people, if something was happening, people can trust me or like they could tr- trust like Dr. Piggy or, or like maybe you guys. Um, I think that would, that's a really good starting point for like actual change. And I've got to say, um, so the code of conduct was created through the community leadership. We consulted lawyers, did lots of research on it. We have this super thorough system to, to process cases. But it turns out that the need is enormous. That is, the amount of reports we get, we cannot process in a fair manner. Um, we, ever since the events of July, we've got about 250. And in our entire two years of existence, because we want to do every case right, because we want to hear both sides of the story, because we want to confirm, it takes about six weeks per case. So do the math there. That's like we've processed 20 out of 250 cases, um, completely unpaid, completely uh no no protections legally, um, no, just out of the goodness of volunteering and, and caring about the community. Um, turns out it's not that sustainable. Um, and uh, firsthand, I would say, costs me an enormous emotional toll. And it should never fall to just me, or it should never fall to even a group of five, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think what Jesus is saying is an important part of a cultural shift. I do think we need structure. I do think we need some place where a victim can go and say, like, this is what happened, and we can decide what's a fair ban. But I don't know how we can do that right now when there's not, there's just not enough. There's not enough money. There's not enough 
um, people that care. I, I'm, I'm laughing because you're kind of saying there's not enough, right? And I sort of get that. But not enough has two sides of the equation. It has number of predators on one side and number of, like, let's say, code of conduct people on the other. And, and so the, the funny thing there is that I think that the way that you even those odds is by reducing the number of predators. And yeah. so that, that I think I mean, gets, yeah. Even 20 cases run. It's better than zero. Yeah. But, you no, know, I, I, th- I still. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm just saying yeah. that, like, I, I think that if you think about, you know, you're saying that the number of cases we're getting is too high and that's because there are too many offenders out there. Right. So one solution is to increase your resources, which by all means, if it's possible, awesome. But the other thing, and, and this is where sometimes I, I kind of wonder, because like, you know, I remember hearing Hugs and kind of TK talk at the beginning about how like it's strange because like you knew this person, right? And like you were close to them and then you have trouble reconciling the person that they sort of turned out to be. And this could just be my, you know, professional experience. I've worked in like prisons and stuff. And and one of the things that I, I've come to appreciate is that like, it's not that a person is good or bad, which I know sounds bizarre. I mean, some people really can be predominantly bad. Um, certainly worked with those people. But, but I think that even, even like, like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, if I'm a predator, what do I do? Right. So I, I think if we, if we talk to, yeah. you know, like, what do you do? Like, let's say that you're 25 years old, you're part of the smash community and in the rest of the world, like, this is what we see with the community that we work with. Right. So like, why do we play games? It's because we like who we are in the game. I'm a someone. And then outside of the Smash community, like you guys are talking about all this power dynamic and clout and stuff like that. Outside of the Smash community, who I'm a new one. And I may have a certain amount of social anxiety because lo and behold, like, you know, since the age of nine, instead of developing social skills, I developed Smash skills. And then along comes a 16-year-old boy or girl who suddenly, like, they look up at me and my social anxiety is less because they clearly are into me. And I know it's not right to, to you know, start a sexual relationship. I wouldn't even know how to. But I express interest in them and they express interest in me. And boy, do they really like me. And then I really like them. They're really awesome. I invest a lot of my time. And I really do care about them. I try to help them, right? Because they have nowhere else to go. So I want to be a, a nice guy. And so I invite them to come stay with me. And then something strange happens. I've cared about them for so long. I've supported about them so long. And then I start to develop feelings. Then what do I do with that? Right. So I, I think that like this, this kind of slippery slope, I, I mean, you guys are, you're making it sound very intentional and I'm sure in some cases it is. But the other thing that I don't know, I, I don't know like what someone in that situation does. Like, how do they learn how to stop? A lot of therapy with somebody that actually holds you accountable and doesn't just tell you nice things about yourself. I don't know. That's my recommendation. Sure. I was going to say, I was going to say, like, that's final until like, you know, I kind of stand by the idea that people reveal who they are when it really matters. And like, in the case of like zero, for instance, the guy took like 
three different twit longers and like literally tried to manipulate other victims behind their backs because he knew what else was coming. Like he tried to get them to shut up. And like, you're, you know, if you're really sorry, I'm sorry. I don't care how many characters you type up or what kind of deflections you make with your arguments. Like if you're really sorry, you own up to what happened. You say what happened, you own up to it and you say you're sorry. And in every single case where, you know, somebody came out with something, they deflected. Like, you know, D1, he straight up said, I don't remember. Yeah. Anti was just like, yeah. Oh, no. These women are out to get me. It's like, it's, why are these women out to get you, you know? Or like, or he'll straight up say, like, oh, yeah, I did this thing and I'm not sorry for it. It's like, what? <laughs> and like, I think, I think that's the difference. Like, there are, like, like Bobby said, you can slip up. You can do something and make someone feel uncomfortable. And that's, that is just a part of like, growing up and like developing social skills or like just getting to know someone but it what matters is when you're confronted with that truth and how you handle it yeah, yeah I, and I, I think, think at the end of the day i, I think with a lot done. of people they did not handle oh go ahead go for TK, it, TK. sorry tk you haven't said much oh, okay <laughs> I, I think i think a lot of people did not handle it in a way that like there is no undiscernible way where you would think that they're trying to change other than I'm trying to save my career. Like, I think that 90% of the people who did come out and put their apology statement wasn't really an apology or an explanation or anything like that, or like a, yes, like I've done these things when I was, um, you know, younger or whatever. Well, most of these people probably couldn't do that anyway because a lot of this stuff was recent. But like for those who may have like stuff that like came out from five years ago or whatever, and they have since then like have learned their ways and they are like, change the person that you can visibly physically you know visibly see that change like that should have been the way that uh at least someone some of them try, should have addressed it but instead it just seemed like almost everybody who wanted to uh like counter argue their allegation only did it for the fact of like either trying to disprove the other person or to like save their career as jesus said i mean it really took zero like four times before he told the truth um you know what I'm saying? And then slippery motherfucker. When you think about yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you think about uh Nairo, uh that that situation with him, it was swept, it was he kept he I mean he paid hush money to keep his career. You know what I mean? And I, I think well, if you're gonna address it like that, then you're obviously not going to learn from your mistakes. I think if you're not like really uh trying to change for the better to be like a better person, regardless of your career then you know you're not you're not really learning you're just learning how to hide your i guess predatory instincts better and that's that's not good i mean we we a lot of people have been making the joke recently about like how um the smash community like you know two months ago everyone's like oh believe women you know oh we need to kick out predators but now like no one's saying that anymore because like it's not the hot topic or whatever because yep. like people didn't actually care they just wanted to appear like they cared uh, to look like they were the good guys without actually putting in any like good input um, or actually changing their own ways to help out in the future. Um, I won't say that like I vehemently talk about this every day, obviously, but I still have my own commands to talk about, you know, things that you can you can educate yourself on uh, on sexual assault, rape and all that good stuff and how you can help out and things like that. And on top of that, I've just, in the last five, six-ish years, I've been 
more like on more diligent about like how I I present myself to uh, well one women or just to anybody who would like would feel I guess some level of pressure for me because I don't want that like I don't want to I don't want anyone to feel unsafe around me um, for like any reason and I think that if more people were to take that like mindset we would at least be able to start the I guess the healing process of the smash community. So TK, do if you someone says Yeah, go ahead, Piggy. If someone says you hurt them, you stop and you listen. And you say, even if I didn't intend to, did I is it possible? Yeah. And that's how you grow. I, I think a lot yeah. of people when they're hearing these kinds of conversations, they they have a way of trying to convince the other person how, well, that's not what I intended to do, so you shouldn't feel hurt by it rather than understanding it from their perspective, like to truly put themselves into their shoes to see how they feel about your actions. And that's the only thing that should matter. It shouldn't matter what your intention was. It's more about how you made them feel with your actions that could have been predatory. It could have been, um, you know, made them feel uncomfortable. And even if you never intended to be that kind of person, as long as they feel that way, that's what you did. That's the truth of the matter. So, um, when there are people that are trying to grow and trying to understand how they could be less problematic, that's one of the best things you can do is to stop with the mentality of convincing people that your intentions weren't what they think they were and instead focus on, you know, how they actually felt about the situation and what you could have done differently to stop them from feeling that way. It doesn't matter what the hell your intention was if they felt that way. Impact instead of intent. TK, you mentioned that you had you had sort of changed a little bit about the way that you think about your interactions. Can you share that with us? Yeah, I mean, just when I was younger, I was like, <laughs> I was girl crazy. You know, you know, like I'm not gonna lie. I was definitely like very much into like I would go to tournaments and I was there for the game, obviously. But like I was like also very much interested in the like the females or the women that were there at the tournament and like. I wasn't, it wasn't like I was like overstepping any boundaries, but I was, you know, like I would be more like, um, I don't know, flirtatious than I need to be that than than what uh, I should have been too early, I guess, before anything was established, things like that. And as I started to grow up, you know, you just kind of realize that like, well, one, like it isn't that big of a deal. And two, like, yeah, this, this behavior could be seen as like creepy. So like as I started to grow up, I just became less, you know, for lack of a better term, thirsty. Like just, you know, like you kind of just, you just kind of just go about. Uh, well, one to, to that, and also I just started like working on my career a lot more. So like there's, like, I, I put more time into like becoming like a better commentator, all that good stuff. So like most of my time was filled up with that stuff. But then, like to be on this side now, to be the person that people trust, um, when like things happen is a lot more fulfilling for me than to like, I don't know, potentially hook up with someone. Uh, like I, I usually, there's been situations where like my, uh, like my women friends would like come to me because someone was chasing them around the, the bar. Someone was speaking to them like in a weird manner and like they wanted to feel safe. So they would come to me. I like that a lot more than being, the person who was making them feel unsafe and have having to find uh, a person that they can trust like that. Um, so 
yeah, I just, I don't know. You just, I, I grew up like, <laughs> like, I think that's the easiest turn. just like, I just, I grew up, you know? And uh, unfortunately I feel like a lot of my peers did not as they were still, you know, facing skirts, you know, in, in, in a very malicious and I guess predatory way. And I guess in, in some ways I felt like I may have seen it, but mostly more so like distance myself because like, that's not what I wanted to do anymore when it, I, I should have tried to be a little more like, uh, I guess I'd say t- uh, educational about it. You know, like I, I should have been like, Hey bro, like, you know, we're getting old now. This is not like, this ain't the way, you know what I'm saying? But like, I don't know, like in some ways I feel like it's not my responsibility, obviously, but it also, because they are my friends, it is kind of my responsibility. Like I should have said something, but you're your own human. And I'm not sure if you're going to listen to me anyway. So I'm just going to continue to do me and like become a better person myself. Sorry. Like I think, I think, so I've had a lot of people when this came out, they were like messaging me personally saying like, not because they did anything to me, but they just felt so bad. Like, you know, like the whole self-reflection, like they, were associated with a lot of these people and like they might have seen some sus signs or suspicious signs but like they didn't do anything to stop it and like I have to say like I don't think anyone should ever feel like they did something wrong like they shouldn't feel like it was totally their sole responsibilities to stop something in every situation because the truth of it is is that the person doing the thing should just not be doing it in the first place right like that that accountability should be held with them not with you but obviously, like, you know, that's the world. The world would be great if, like, things actually worked out the way that they should. But, you know, that's not how things are. So, like, obviously, I just think, like, if people, if there's one thing to take away is, like, if you just do your best and educate yourself or try to educate yourself, really, and make that effort, um, like, that that alone, I think, actually stops a lot of people from, like, doing things. Like, the fact that, like, for instance, like, you know, TK you're up here and you're like talking about this, like, you know, anyone who's around you or any guy and like with the, with the standing that you do have, if they were going to do something, if you're there, they're not going to do it anymore, you know? And like, I feel like that, like, just, just then like that, you know, like I said, like you're not being perfect, you're just doing everything you can, but like doing something is so much better than not doing anything. And like, that goes for, that, that goes for like everybody in the scene right now that is, or has done something to speak up about it, you know? Yeah, so I, I've, I've discovered something kind of interesting since I've been engaging with the internet. I've noticed that, you know, if people are trying to figure out, is my behavior a problem? There's an interesting diagnostic test, which is, do you refer to women as females? If the answer is yes, there's a decent chance. I think it's more likely that maybe some of your behavior needs to be adjusted. It's a good litmus test. I agree. That's a yellow flag for me. Right? And it's funny. I don't know if you guys caught, but TK actually... Re, reframed in the middle of the it. sentence. He caught Did you guys it. see that? <laughs> Barely came. Well, I, it's a it's, it's a it's a south thing for me to be honest. Like it's, it's just a, like I grew up I I grew up in the south in like a predominantly black area in the south, and like that's just how that's how they like say. No, no, no. I, I I'm not trying to blame so, you. No, I mean, I get what you're I get what you're saying though. Like I yeah. definitely catch myself because I know that like in the real world, like that's not a good way to refer to women, but like. It, it definitely is something that like uh, I've still had to learn not to say because like I don't mean it with malicious intent, but I sure. know that like it to other people that like saying fe- like usually 
when it's said, it is in a way where it's like, man, females be, you know, like females be shopping or whatever. Like people say it in ways that like it's negative, but I'm just saying it because like it's, I don't know, like the word just hits easier for me. Yeah. However, yeah, I, uh, I definitely will catch myself in in normal conversation where if I'm about to say it, I'm like, oh no, 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 I don't want, I don't want to be perceived in a way. So say women, say girls, say anything but that. So also, yeah. I also think to that point. um, because TK was mentioning this earlier, uh, when you're, so we, we have a lot of influence with our guy friends, like men have influence over other men if they're like friends and things like that. And a lot of these things that go on, I think are uh, part of a culture that allows them to exist. So uh, one of those ways to address that part of the culture is that you check your boys when they're using words like females or bitches even, and you stop them then and there because even though they feel comfortable around it, uh, around uh, by saying it around their friends because you know it's not a big deal who's going to get offended it's uh the thing is it just creates this culture of objectifying women to the point where it's going to manifest itself into some actual action that shows that disrespect so even if they're not feeling disrespected because you're not saying it in front of them the fact that you're doing it regularly and you are uh you know among a group that's just constantly encouraging it eventually that lack of respect is going to come out in a different kind of way. So even just checking your friends on these little things that go on constantly, it's going to uh, hopefully make them value women as just another human that they value on the regular, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, I think that the female thing is, a, is an indicator. I think saying bitches all the time instead of women is a huge fucking in indicator sorry I'm yeah but hugs on the stream hugs I, I i've got a question for you so sometimes when i try to tell my friends not to call bitches bitches and i say you should call them women they call me a simp cuck um well when i when i've dealt with that sort of thing like there's always always pushback whenever i bring it up and i i just tell them like they're they're like you know i don't mean it man like why are you making a big deal about it i'll always tell them like it's not there there's a way to explain it. like first you tell them that first of all like are you going to say it in front of them so why are you saying it in front of me and then uh then the, that's the that's when thing, they say what are you a simp cuck yeah yeah well then i would say no it's just that they're they're humans just like us and if if you wouldn't say it in front of them like would you want someone saying that about your mother your sister like you you find ways to relate it to them and then you also say honestly i i put it into different perspectives where <laughs> I say, okay, let's say like with racism, right? If you're dropping the N-bomb privately and, and and then and then you just hide it from everyone else, do you think that's cool? And then if I'm dealing with someone who's not racist, they'll be like, no, that's not okay at all. I'm like, right. And then usually you have people that are saying it publicly. It's because they do it all the time privately. And then they're, they're actually losing respect for this group of people because they're constantly engaging in behavior that just devalues them, right? So then why the hell are you okay with doing this with women? And they could call me as, like, at that point, their argument of, of me just being a simp and just doing it for this purpose kind of breaks down because you, you explain to them how this applies to so many other things and how if they actually want to value people as people, then they got to just stop this behavior in general, like even in private, even with your boys, et cetera. Probably and I have some experience. Yeah, I have some experience with this. So back in the day, we used to use... Uh, homophobic language to describe any play style that was like annoying and we used to use the word rape uh to talk about like domination 
if you would really destroy somebody. And that was really widespread, you know, I don't know, 10 yeah. years ago. And it took time to switch that. And, you know, my wife helped me understand why those things were not good. So I literally didn't know. I was ignorant to it. But once I knew, uh, I had this very experience of saying like, hey, don't say rape like that. And people would be like, you know, they would talk shit about me. And I what I ended up doing was saying like, yeah, I am a simp cuck. So just shut the fuck up about it. Like, don't say that around me kind of thing. I would just say like, yes, that's me. Yes, I'm a fucking cuck. Um, Thank and you, I that, Yeah, I mean, yes, if that's what you want to call me, then yes, that's exactly what I am. Um, and eventually it got to a place where they were curious about why I was so pissed off about it. And I found that that really helped. You know, when when I had people asking me legitimately, like, okay, fine, so you're a cuck. Like, why do you care so much about this? Then, for whatever reason, I felt like it was way easier to explain that new people come into this room and play Melee with us, okay? People who don't know us are in this room playing. And when we say shit like that, they don't know who we are. They sure shit don't know who I am. And I don't want them to think that I'm cool with that because I don't know who they are. I have friends, we all have friends who are, who were gay, who have played Melee for a long time, where they were so uh, immersed in that kind of language that they would say it themselves. But I didn't know if they had a problem with it. They hadn't even come out, you know? So learning later on that people who were near and dear to me were in the room, we were talking about, oh, you're playing gay. Uh, they just sat through that and didn't say anything, took that on the shoulder. That uh, really bothered me after I learned like what we had been doing. And so, I don't know, to be honest, I feel like, what gives me strength is the idea that I think melee is fucking dope. And I think anybody who thinks that it's dope should be able to play it without a problem. Right. And so if anybody's creating a problem for somebody who wants to play melee, then they, I feel like they've got a problem with me. So that's what lets me feel strong and saying like, yeah, I'm a cook. I'm simping for anybody who wants to play melee. Also, I want to say women love simp cooks. Like, <laughs> no, that's not like- why I, it's not part of my motivation, but like, <laughs> that's cool. The term simp has gone so warped that, like, I, like, saw some shit on, like, okay, I, I don't know. I don't follow the mainstream internet that much, but I saw, like, iDubs or whatever and his girlfriend. Like, they're calling him a simp for having a girlfriend. It's like, what? He has a girlfriend and you don't. It's like, if, if being a simp cuck gets you the girl, then I don't know what the fuck to say. But anyway. It sounds, it sounds like the simp cuck is the true Chad. I, I think so. Like, and everything flips at a certain point. Everything goes full circle. Scar was literally being the chat. He was the dude that said, like, stop. We're going to not do this. He went against the grain. And, like, that's, like, to me, that takes more balls than, like, and you know, It definitely head. does. Yeah. And as soon as I want – one thing I want to say is that I think the first follower is just as important as the leader here because uh, the first person to say, like, hey, don't use that language around me, they're super vulnerable. But if you're in that situation and you feel any kind of way and you can back that person up who's on the right side – that goes so far. I can't. I really can't express how that changes the culture more than any one person. So there's some people who are going to take the lead and who are going to tank, but then there's other people who are, you know, the healers behind. You got to like keep their health up because they get hit. Yeah, and I just want to mention that uh, when when a lot of these accusations came out in July, one of the things that you know people were called out for behavior from the past, and then one of the defenses were always, uh, well, that's just how things were back then, right? And I think that as a community, we always need to be forward looking and thinking where um, uh, you should be uncomfortable with things before it's cool to be uncomfortable with them. Right. Like like the way like I always commend Scar for this because he was talking about how we shouldn't say uh, homophobic slurs and and these uh, and words like rape that make people uncomfortable. 
uh, way before uh, anyone was even thinking about that. And he got a lot of shit for it. But uh, things don't change unless you challenge what's going on normally. And he did. So now we're at a point where I could ask someone, like, do you think it's okay to to use homophobic slurs? And they'll they'll just be like, obviously not. And we're at that point now. And we're not going to be at that point with language and, and behavior that makes women uncomfortable unless we challenge it before it's cool to challenge it. Yes. Right? You have to be forward thinking. You have to start challenging it now so that a year from now or hopefully sooner when when you say, uh, you know, is it okay to use the word bitch to describe women? They're going to be like, that makes no sense. That's an awful thing to do, right? So like you, you have to not wait for things to be okay. You have to make them not okay. Like, and honestly, you know it's saying. just yeah. like what, T, what TK said about like, okay, it's fun to hook up with somebody, but it feels so much better, right? When people are coming to you and like, you're really able to help them. I, I just feel like, yes, it's not fun in the beginning to challenge the status quo, but when it changes, it's really gratifying. Like I'm proud of what we were able to do. I know that we've got a lot more work to do, but like changing the language is big and it, it took, a, it took some time, yeah. but I'm just proud that we did it. I mean, damn dude. I was also pretty happy that, you know, we weren't like, oh, where's the proof of all this stuff coming out? Yeah, because uh, I don't gone that way. I don't think our specific problem is just uh, strictly the predators that we've caught. I think it's a cultural problem that we have had in the scene. And that's like you, you presented the question earlier about minimizing the amount of predators that we have. I think changing the culture, which includes, you know, uh, people in power saying this shit ain't cool. And then uh, also the language that we used, even behind closed doors, like you, you, you address like all these cultural things. Um, and I think that starts to help. I think that starts to change things. You know, you at least minimize, just like we minimize the amount of people that are hateful towards um, people of, of, of different sexualities and things like that. Like we, we can do that with, uh, with uh, the people that make women uncomfortable or assault them and are predators and things like that. Like we could change the culture and start minimizing that as well. I, I would hope. Yeah. So and I do want to add that one thing you can do besides, you know, calling out your buds and like pushing for this cultural shift. It's important to amplify the voices of the people that experienced it firsthand too. So, you know, it's, it's great to be able to explain, but, uh, uh, you know, if somebody else makes, if a girl makes a tweet about how sexism makes her feel, you don't have to explain over her. You can just retweet. And that is, you know, that is using your influence to, to elevate and amplify something that someone personally experienced. Reminds me of this phrase. I don't know if you guys ever heard this before, but no snowflake feels responsible for the avalanche. Uh, I've never heard that, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess so. Let me ask you guys two questions. I guess the first is I'm personally a little bit confused about how to handle, you know, believe women versus people who do uh, fabricate allegations. So, do you guys have any thoughts about how to manage that my, or what we should do? My, uh, my first instance is to like all like i'm gonna read whatever comes out then i'll like if i know this person i will like put you know my i will put i will like think about like them as a person and then read this and be like do these two things feel like they match up if they do then you know we'll fuck but if not then i'm still gonna wait 
I'm not going to like, I'm never the first person to be like, oh man, that's crazy. I can't believe he did this. But I'm also not going to be the first person to be like, yo, proof. I need to, it's just the information is out there. I want to see what happens now. So basically, like, I'm just waiting to see what comes next. So if this person goes silent for four days, I'm more inclined to believe that whatever was written is true. But if this person comes out like that day and says, you know, I have, you know, I have evidence or whatever that not true then i'm I'm gonna wait to make my like final judgment you know what i'm saying like i'm not gonna call anyone a liar i'm not gonna tell it uh take anything and just immediately believe but i will at least try to do some like uh i guess some rec- some thinking on both on all of the information that i have uh, before making a decision but whoever came out first i'm more unlikely like i'm more inclined to believe that like especially in this climate that whatever is being said is most likely so there's some truth behind it you know like it may not be 1000 percent correct but there is a probably a some level some level of behavior that has made someone feel uncomfortable enough to come up to come out with this story so it is easier for me to believe that whatever i'm reading is probably closer to the truth than whatever is going to come out unless that person comes out with like facts receipts and all that saying that like yo this didn't happen and it does suck because obviously i think that the few people that may have come out with a with a fake story like even if the story is fake and you're able to disprove it like that's still going to follow you like for a long long time you know and it, it may be like a, a, a one or two percent uh of stories that are it are, are fake but those those people are still going to be hurting just because they've been looped they're going to be lumped in with everybody else because no one uh, a lot of people didn't go off and do research after to fit see if this was fake or not you know what i'm saying so i, I think know. the phrase believe women doesn't mean whoever was accused is absolutely guilty and we should go dox them and we should condemn them and never speak to them again i don't think that's what believe women means it means right. that when you read that story for the first time you aren't thinking like well maybe she just regrets it it, it means you're not right. thinking you're not going to ask like well did she like flirt with him a little bit and, and that's why you thought it was okay no you're going to be like man that sucks if that happened. <laughs> like, yeah. just give me that basic uh, uh, empathy to, that, like, if I came so, forward about this story, get benefit of the doubt. That doesn't mean you don't confirm. Like, TK is saying, you, you have to hear both sides because some weird shit does happen. Uh, but um, believe women just means don't try to invalidate what we're saying. So I, it's interesting because what... I, I realize what I practically do is I take the allegations seriously, but tend to not pass judgment right away. Right. You know, maybe so, it's not for us to pass judgment all the time, right? Like, yeah, I think every individual community member doesn't need to know all of the gory details of everybody's lives. But again, the, that's assuming that there is someone that will uh, uh, demand accountability or or have some kind of judgment in the end. Which who knows if that happens in any given case. I, I will say, as someone who's, like, faced, like, the brunt of, like, a lot of, like, cloud-chasing thought, horror accusations, which, by the way, I, again, I didn't make my platform off of a lot of those, like, conventional things that guys on the internet always hate on. It was only after I made my accusations that men, I, I don't even want to say men, I don't know who, just people on the internet immediately went to dig and try to find the most thoughtiest or like most condemning things about me and try to paint me in this light 
And, you know, again, there's not that much, there's not really anything on me, to be honest, but like, you'll go on YouTube and there's, there's video thumbnails. They'll dig up pictures of me that I posted of myself from like three or four years ago. And it's like, and there's such a clear intent behind it, which is, you know, to paint me like a thought, you know, like, oh, this person's just another gold digging thought, like, haha, let's all go shit on her because as men, that's what we like to do on the internet. And I think what, you know, Dr. Piggy and all these, like the whole rhetoric right now is, you know, people do make up stories. I'm not going to pretend like that shit doesn't exist. But when someone comes out with something, especially like in my situation where I was putting a lot on the line, like when I called zero out, you know, I, I was like, all right, you know, I know my story is true. I hope people back me up on it. But if the shit tanks, it's like, well, bye Smash Community, you know? And like, I mean, thankfully it didn't, but like, well, maybe look at these situations where like somebody's not going to come out with a story like that for no reason, especially if they have nothing to gain from it, really. You know, like, what do you get? Like 10 minutes of fame, especially if they come out anonymously, like what? Like, they're not getting anything out of it. And like, too, like, you know, women, they don't, like 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 dr piggy said when she said believe women that doesn't mean oh let's just ignore critical thinking like that's that's all that's that's just as bad as the other you're doing the same thing just the other way Mm -hmm. what we're asking for is the same credence and respect and open-mindedness that you always give to the guys that's literally it and if you do that then in most situations like nine times out of ten you know you if you critically think through it then you'll arrive to the truth. And like, I, I will say like by default, even with how, you know, I don't like using this word, but like not conventionally I've held myself like, or presented myself on the internet. I was, I still felt and got a huge, like, like backlash from the default state of mind of men, which is just to like hate on the girl. And it doesn't matter what you do. It's like, it's the fact that you're a girl. They're going to call you these things. They're going to dig up these things about you. And then they're going to be like, here, this is what she does. She's a thought. This is how she makes her living. It's like, that's not even true. But like, they, they, that's, that's what they want to do. They just want to hate women. So that's, that is the first thing that needs to be changed. And that's still something that's being fought against. But that's literally all that, that's literally all that all the good women mean. And like, even if you are a sex worker, that does not necessarily, it doesn't lower your value as a human or as a Smash community member, right? Um, I've been called like a social justice warrior infiltrator lizard person <laughs> just because they can't believe that a woman would be in Smash for as long or whatever. And it's, yeah, so there are some people that the issue is that you're a woman. Not everybody, but some people will find whatever they can <laughs> and make that the issue. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next, guys? What, what do we what do we do? What happens? Well, next? as of right now, I don't know, because we're <laughs> you know, with the quarantine stuff like it's just we, we a lot happened in a short amount of time uh, within the Smash community to make it feel like, you know, it's not that it's dead, but it's definitely like some type of hiatus. Now, whenever we come back, I hope that uh, these lessons don't get lost. Like I hope that after after seeing that literally in like to any to anyone watching or whatever to anyone who plays anyone who plans to go to tournaments after seeing that literally anyone can go down that you if you have uh, problematic behavior that like it is something that you try to fix 
you know, not only for just the Smash community, but just in life. You know what I mean? Like these, uh, these are not just Smash community exclusive things. These are life lessons. You know, don't make people feel uncomfortable anywhere. If you can, if you can stop that, like if you can, uh, if you have the power to, to not do that, then, you know, do that. Um, so I feel like as far as being a community leader, uh, not to say that I am, but I know that there are people out there that will look up to me, you know, that will look up to us, that will look up to anyone with status, with clout, whatever. The best thing we can do is lead by example, uh, in my opinion. Um, I think the best thing we can do is continue to, to make those who feel, who make other people feel uncomfortable, uncomfortable. You know, like if me telling you that like your behavior is uh, problematic and that makes you uncomfortable because you are being problematic, then good. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's the reaction that I want because then it's going to make you uh, think about, you know, what you're doing and what you can be doing better. And that's all I really wish to accomplish, you know, is to make sure that people are, uh, I guess, consciously aware of themselves and what they can do to hold themselves and other people accountable. Yeah. I did hold, I did have like this like big panel and one of the people that I invited was actually the TO of Genesis. Um, he goes well, like share dactyls like online. Um, but like, you know, cause I think one of the biggest questions obviously like you're asking it right now is like, what do we do now? And it's more than just a matter of like the culture, like there's a lot of logistics, uh, um, just like objective pieces that need to move to like make things happen. And it's a matter, it's a question of like, who's going to do it and what exactly does that entail? And like, especially like, yeah, whenever tournaments might happen, you know, that's one of the biggest question marks. And like, um, he did tell us that a lot of the TOs are in talks or have been in talks of measures that they can take to prevent things like this happening. Um, and I think a big, a big point though, that he wanted to emphasize, and like, I think needs to be emphasized too, is like, it's not going to be perfect. Like, you know, once things come back and like tournaments are a thing again, like, it's not like, you know, Oh, they're going to have the perfect system figured out. It's like the, like, you know, like literally the legal police in our world with all the funding and structure and infrastructure they have, like they, they don't even have things figured out, you know? And it's, it's unreasonable to think that it's not going to take a couple of tries, but like I said before, it's the fact that people are even trying like that's the difference. And I think especially online too, I've already noticed like a difference where people have been taking a stand. Like recently there was, um, there's a really questionable twit longer made about somebody who was ousted. Uh, and like, it was like people immediately came and like, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. People immediately came and they're just like, they just like shat on it. They're like, what are you talking about? You know? And like, Obviously, we want to give credence to both sides, but it wasn't a case where the accused already admitted. And like I said, there is a history of him being very like predatory towards women in general, um, which his that person's tweet longer just completely ignored. Uh, so like, you know, that wasn't a thing before this whole happened. Like people, if that, that tweet longer came out, like before the whole July stuff more people, more people would definitely just be on his side, especially because he does have a decent enough following. So like, um, there there is change that's happening. And I think like, just like how somebody who's like correcting themselves 
like they need to keep doing the same actions and like create a record of it to actually show true change. It's the same for the community. Like we as a whole need to work together to keep reinforcing the promises that we that we've made to like the victims of the past and like to prevent this for like victims of the future, you know. I, w- I wanted to ask a question, actually. So, you know, Toph and I did a stream about this, I don't know, a while ago. And uh, one of the ideas we come up came up with or one of the things we talked about is like how people can be isolated, not only victims, but, you know, people who are starting to who are close to making a big mistake. And the question was, who can they talk to? And, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about the recovery coach program that Dr. K and Healthy Gamer are putting together and like. I, does anybody think it would be a good idea to have like a melee or a smash community like recovery coach type deal where hey I, I'm I've got a problem I'm a melee player like I don't know who to talk to like have a Discord have a place I, Dr K I don't know how recovery coach program and the rollouts going but it just seems to me that having people more connected to each other and being able to talk to somebody and it's not uh somebody uh, who's a lawyer who's going to charge you money or you know a psychiatrist who might not actually help in any meaningful way, but just somebody you could talk to. I mean, I didn't mean it that way. I, no, no, I, that I thought way. it was like, funny. Respect I, for the craft. I'm, for the I'm not, I'm not, I'm not offended. Okay. I'm laughing. Well, I, I, I agree just think somebody you. in the community to help connect people. So, so that, cause for me, I never hear about this shit till it's way too late. I don't know. I, and I know that there's people who care, who feel that there's nothing they can do because it's always too late. And I've just been thinking about like, how do we get the information to flow? The information flow seems to be a big problem in my mind that people could have problems and they just can't get it out there. Go ahead, Jisoo. Oh, I was, I was just, I was just thinking about it. Like, okay. I, I, I want to think a little bit more before I say anything else, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like Dr. Piggy is already kind of working on that. And along with some other people, um, I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> Generally speaking, when when Dr. K asks, like, what do we do next? Um, that's really hard for me to answer because um, I've been the backbone of a lot of the Code of Conduct initiatives and I'm getting burnt out, guys. <laughs> I've spent too many nights crying in the shower, getting messages from abusers. I can't, I, it takes a village and we need a village. Um, but that's, okay, I mean, that, but, that's real talk too. Cause like, I think that, what is that? Low tier city. You were like, you were about to get on commentary and you look a little rattled. And I came up to you and asked you, are you good? You were telling me a little bit about that stuff. And I felt bad. Cause like, it really, it really does feel like you're shouldering it all when it really does. It should be on all of us and not just you. So, I mean, I appreciate yeah, the work you're doing. Cool. I just want you to know that, but I like, you know, if there's anything, any way that we, I can help you directly, you know, you can always DM me. Like I'm always around. <laughs> Yeah, and I apologize if it sounds like I'm saying, Ole, let's do something you've already been working on. The no, thing no. that I was thinking about is like the way to build the village and the recovery coach program just sounds it just hit me when it you know, when when Healthy Gamer announced it that like that could be cool. You know, it's like organic and it can spread. Like whoever I mean, wants to get involved, can can we help them get involved so that we have a village? Yes. If if anyone has any kind of if you're trying to figure out a code of conduct initiative for your local scene, if you're trying to create a resources page or document, please do it. There is no monopoly on this. And and really, I, you know, I talk about my struggles, but there have been so many people along the way that have given their hours and time and love um, to the code of conduct project. It's just I'm the one that's happened to been here the longest. Right. <laughs> and done it most consistently, I suppose. Um, but whether or not I end up continuing with the code of conduct work 
um, the one goal I have in the coming months is creating resource uh, pool, right? So resources for tournament organizers. How uh, how can you implement your own codes? What are the kind of rules and commitments? Uh, what kind of questions do you need to ask when somebody comes to you with a report? Um, creating resources for victims. So like, how can I get, how can I see a therapist? Or like, what's my likelihood of being able to, to sue this person? Or like, how can I talk to somebody? Having resources for accused people, like how to write an apology or even things like, um, you know, uh, therapy for themselves. Like there are so many things that just weren't talked about in the Smash community that if, if that information and education were out there, I think it would do a lot of good. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know where I'll be, but I do think one of the answer is creating consistent structural um, um, emphasis and importance on accountability and how each person in each part of our community, whether you're a tournament organizer or, or just a player or a top player, whatever, what you can do and then stick to it, you know. Throughout my work, there's been a lot of people that have ideas. They have big dreams and big ideas of what to do. But the follow through is what really makes people, uh, it's effective and makes somebody a, a, an amazing person in my eyes is when you follow through on those things, right? Like all this July stuff that happened, the people that are still out there working, God, you're my heroes, <laughs> you know? You're the ones that that we, that we that should be elevated, um, not just because you're good at a game, but because you committed to protecting people and then you did it. Like, that's so powerful. Wait, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Or like, okay, wait, doesn't Melee have like, I, okay, so I don't follow Ultimate that well. I'm, like, more, like, Melee. But, like, doesn't it have, like, that, like, tournament legalization, like, squad? Like, I remember, like, when UCF and, like... You talk uh, about, like, the 5 and the 25? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the 5 and the... I forget, I forget what their name is. I actually like, erased that stuff in my mind. It was so ridiculous. Okay, or like I was gonna, I was gonna say like there is some kind of structure going on, whether it's just like literally Facebook messages or whatever. But like, like I think I feel like just a tangible solution would be like, cause okay, cause the scene they attack like tournament legal issues so vehemently. They'll be like, "Yo, Pokemon Stadium," and then everyone's like, "Oh, like they have their pitchforks up." They're like, "I'm so passionate about this," you know. And like I feel like instead of like having like these like the code of conduct or like the 525 i don't know what it is nowadays that's always changing but like if if they could all somehow just like come together because there is a panel of people who do these things and make decisions it's just that it needs like these like sexual allegation and like social issues need to be brought up on the same pedestal as like oh how many times can Mewtwo King grab the ledge? Like, that's just like, it's like, why are, why are we spending like 20 fucking years like discussing like that shit instead of like, oh, is it bad if we give alcohol to a 15 year old? It's like. The code of conduct actually did come out of the five. Um, Emily's son, oh. Emily Waves, she was like, Hey y'all, uh, why don't we deal with this issue of harassment? And they're like, we don't think we, that's our specialty. You should make a, a a group. So that's when the harassment task force was formed, and then we changed our name to Code of Conduct. So originally, this was part of some like bigger initiative. And I do, I am in chats with like the five or whatever. But I think they kind of had the same problem that I've been describing, and that the consistency and the follow through um, of like creating a, a rule set or or you know a ban recommendation or whatever isn't always there. So I'm. I'm going to take a stab at, at Bobby's question. So like, does, can coaching help? So like, I think that the, 
the interesting thing is that, you know, with a lot of the Me Too movement, let me just take a step back. So I'm going to say some things that I think could be a little bit controversial. Um, and so if you guys have any questions or you feel like it's out of line, like, please let me know. So honestly, the way that I think about this is like lung cancer. So if we start with sort of the idea, like if we think about medicine, right? So you have a patient who has lung cancer and like, that's really bad. And then you have this entire branch of oncology, which is like, okay, like chemotherapy and radiation and all this kind of stuff, like a lot of intensive medicine, just a really bad situation. That's just like ugly. And when I think about these predators, as you guys are describing them, I sort of think about lung cancer. Um, and that in and of itself is sort of like a, maybe a judgmental image, maybe fair, maybe unfair, depending on who you are, or what you believe, whatever. But the real interesting thing is like, do you guys know how we really improved lung cancer outcomes, at least in the United States? Uh, I do not. What are you guys like? So lung cancer used to be a way worse problem 60 oh, years ago than it is now. Smoking. Absolutely. So here's the really, really crazy thought, which I think a lot of people don't really think about. And I think if we really tunnel down, Hug sort of mentioned this, right? It's like, we have this idea, like there are these people out there and we like label them as predators. This person is a predator. It's the way that we define them. It's kind of like this war against like the good people and the bad people. And Hugs, when he sort of like realized, oh my God, like this is a person that I thought was in the good camp and now he's in the bad camp. And then in a bizarre way, like TK actually kind of touched us on this too because he used to be thirsty. And then something happened and he grew up, as he calls it. So I, I, here's the way that I think about it. I think that there are a thousand or 10,000 or a hundred thousand people who could grow up to be predators. And for me, it started with the question, like, when was this predator born? Like this guy who did whatever he did to Jisoo or, or, or did whatever they did to, to you, Piggy. Like, when did this person become a predator? Because like you guys said, it's kind of like there's this this long, like not crossing the line, not crossing the line, not crossing the line, and then they cross the line, right? Were they a predator at that point or were they like a predator before? Was he a predator the first time he like walked up to Jisoo and said, hey, what's going on? When is a predator born? Because I think it's okay, kind of- Okay, first of all- Yeah. Can we, I really want to vehemently disagree with the idea that somebody's a predator or not a predator. So Somebody's what? Um- that somebody is binarily a predator or not. Yeah, a yeah, I, I know. that. That's the point I'm making. Oh, okay. Because you're yeah. saying that, like, yep. we, we put these people into buckets, but that's not it at all. Well, that's how we talk about them, right? So you guys have used right, but, the word predator throughout this entire discussion. You've talked about people in a very judgmental manner because, I mean, like, that's what, that's the language. We call these people predators. Questions. But, yeah, but, but, so I'm, I'm with you, yeah, Piggy. So, yeah. like, that's sort of like calling someone, you know, schizophrenic this person is a schizophrenic versus has schizophrenia so there are some people who we define their personhood by a particular attribute of who they are so like homophobic slurs is another good example thought is another good example where we define an entire person by one attribute of their being and one place where i see very few people Everyone's against using, you know, the word thought or bitch or homophobic slur. But when it comes to defining a predator as a predator, everyone's on board. 
you're the in the minority, Piggy. Because most people are okay with tarring and feathering sexual predators, which I'm not saying is, I mean, I think it's reasonable in, in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I think the, the, the issue about how to solve this and where the coaching program comes in is because I think that like, you know, I mean, I certainly had a lot of feelings that I think like align with being an incel when I was growing up, like a lot of young male gamers do. We were socially awkward, couldn't get girlfriends, sexually frustrated. And then like some of us grow up and I think some of us don't. And so what I'm really curious about is like that fork in the road. Like what's the lung can what's the smoking in our society that leads to the lung cancer? And so we talk about cultural change, right? But I think that like in my mind, there's like there's a 17-year-old kid out there right now who could one day turn into a sexual predator. And what Damn, I hey, I don't want to interrupt, but like when I've thought about this, hey man, the, the the people who are doing like they got into the community young. So you've got young men who do not have a lot of interaction with women where they are fucking famous and there is booze around and like you know what I mean? This is a bad environment. <laughs> do you know what I you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like the yeah. environment is going to bring that out of people who wouldn't, I feel, otherwise do it if it wasn't so high risk. Yeah. So I, I think the the tricky thing. So, sorry, Piggy, go ahead. The way I think about this is, is I think something similar to you. Imagine a normal distribution of L-shaped curve, right? And there's right down the middle uh, a line that we draw, the average, right? And if you're above that line, you're a predator. If you're below that line, you're not, right? And maybe you have a, an entitlement issue where you think people owe you. And maybe that puts you 10% higher. And, or maybe your mom was sexually assaulted when she was young. And that's what that puts you 5% lower, right? But like, what are the big like 20% chunks that would put you over the edge, right? Because we can say culture, uh, who our best friend is, maybe that's 2%. Um, uh, personal responsibility should be like a 30% or something like that. But like, there are risk factors, just like, just like lung cancer, that, that additively or subtractively end up with the binary result of does something that hurts other people or doesn't, right? And I think we can go even further and say like, well, if you're in the upper 80%, at that point, that's when you're intending to hurt people, not just on accident. And so how does somebody get from doing it and not realizing the hurt they're causing to like knowing and doing it anyway? So there's so many underlying factors, but I think it is important for us to say like, okay, so what are the biggest ones? Yeah. So, so I think this is where kind of Bobby's question was about the coaching program. So in my experience, so like, so I, I tend to work on an individual level, right? So that's what my day job is. So I, I take someone with, let's say an addiction and they have like all kinds of stuff like abuse growing up, family history of addiction, whatever, like, you know, struggling financially, whatever. And, and so you ultimately end up with kind of a unit. The short answer is that I, I do think Bobby, that the coaching program can help. And that's why we started it. Because I think at the end of the day, just like Piggy is saying, there are a thousand different factors. I think you guys are, we're talking about a couple of them are like no brainers to me. So one thing, for example, that I noticed just like the epidemiologist in me noticed that like 90% of these stories involve drinking and usually a lot of it, right? So it like, like a lot of it is like after parties where with like, I, and I think the smash community is in a sense, a little bit of an outlier because I think there's way more underage people. But if you look at like the Dota community, like I don't think there are a bunch of 15 year olds at after parties. It's like mostly people over the age of 18. But there's also just a lot amount of there's a lot of alcohol. And that kind of comes from the cultural conception that an after party needs to have alcohol, which is like a really yeah. deep rooted thing. The short answer. Well, Bob, yeah, sorry. Let me just finish up if that's OK. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so the short answer is that I, I do think we can help. And like, this is what we see. So what we see is that when we sort of like open our doors and try to be non-judgmental, we do deal with a lot of people who are like incels. So we just tossed around the idea recently of starting like an incel group because I we've tried to get what I call a true incel on stream because it's my hypothesis that an incel is like it's like a it's like a a mode that emerges when you're in a particular environment. And when you actually sit down and you talk to these people, you find that they're they're like they're like pretty normal people that just have internal struggles that then they find this echo chamber that kind of like fans a particular kind of flame. And like changes the way they think. And then they sort of like turn into this like werewolf, which is like a normal human by day. And like if you can get them one-on-one -on -one and actually talk to them, you can really start to make a pretty big impact like relatively easily. And so I do think this is why we have like group coaching. We literally just this past week talked about like offering particular groups for like incels or other people who are struggling with these things. Cause I, I think the really other, the other thing that we don't really like to think about when, when it comes to predators is we don't talk to them, right? We almost never do that. Cause I suspect that a lot of these people who get out of line actually do so not out of a predatory instinct, but out of a positive emotion. I think that some of these people are so infatuated or so in love or so entitled that they think it's okay. Like most human beings in my experience, when they commit a sin, they don't do it knowing it's a sin. They do it thinking that they're justified. And they think that there's some, like there's something going on where they're like, you know, like someone who's unfaithful to their partner justifies it because their partner didn't pay enough attention to them. It's very what we call egocentric. They don't think that they don't view what they're doing as predatory behavior because they feel a particular way about it. I, and, and this is where we kind of go back to what Hugs was saying earlier about like, you have to learn how to step out of your own shoes. And just because you don't think it's a problem doesn't mean it isn't a problem. And my, my end sort of conclusion is that I think we need to like start early. I think we need to work with a lot of people, probably on an individual or group level. And I think it's awesome that we have these large scale, like code of conduct kind of measures. But I, I do think that at some point, what we really need to do, we're almost at a phase where we're like, you know, 50 years ago, addiction was considered a moral problem and is, is like now like more of a disease. And working with people like I'm an addiction psychiatrist in my day job, I think sometimes it is a moral problem. Like sometimes human beings, let, like they, they just act in a very like nasty way, not because of their addiction. Like you can be an, a, an addict and be an asshole too. And I think sometimes like now it's gotten over medicalized to the point where like people use their addiction as an excuse, where I think sometimes like, you know, it's a medical problem. Absolutely. But sometimes sort of like people turn it, like use that as an excuse, which is really bizarre. And, and I think what we've really got to do is like dig into, you know, why do people do these kinds of things? Like, how do we understand that? And how do we alter that course? How do we get these people when they're 16, 17, 18 in terms of like role models, right? Because if TK says, hey, man, like, don't use that kind of language, they'll change. Like, that's one way to do it. But I do think that a lot of individual work can go a very long way in terms of, of like, if you take this person like an incel, if you can help them find confidence, the incel behavior just withers away. Incel behavior, and in my experience, a lot of toxic behavior is nourished by like negative emotion. It's nourished by feelings of like shame. Like, why do they call you thoughts? 
Why do they, why do they have to refer to women as bitches? It's because it like protects them in some way. Because if I dehumanize this person, then like, I don't have to feel like judged by them. And there's a lot of like weird, complicated psychology that goes into it. But the short answer is yes. And I say that with caution, because the last thing that I want to do is, is, you know, bombard our coaches with a bunch of would be sexual predators. Um, but at the same time, I think that, you know, you guys do what y'all are going to do. Healthy Gamer is going to do what we're going to do, which is we're going to try to get into the heart of it and talk to people who struggle and try to help them see that there's a different way to go about doing it, right? That the toxic feelings that you have towards people are ultimately like stem. It's my experience that incels, for example, it comes from hurt. Like they like got hurt by a woman and then they like rage at them. It's like, Ree! You know, and, and, and like, once you unpack that hurt, then like the toxicity will go away. I'm not excusing the toxicity in any way, shape or form. I'm just saying that there, you know, you can sort of do structural things and then you can also get to the individual person and try to help them understand, Hey man, like, sure. You're behaving like an asshole and you should stop. But I think it's also important to understand why are you behaving like an asshole in the first place? Like, where does that come from? Because once you understand where the asshole inside you comes from, then you can really start to change it. Spoken like a true clinician. (laughs) (laughs) Thoughts? I have to say, well, okay. I don't know what everyone else is thinking, but like, I've actually thought about this a lot. Um, Obviously having gone through it and like, you know, I, I, I do want to empathize with the other side as much as possible as possible, because you have to be objective. Like, and I do like to think about an individual and like where they came from and like the psychology of like why they do things. Um, And, like, I do agree that we should all be approaching it from the perspective that, like, you know, I'm not going to pretend like there aren't guys out there who are lonely and are hurt and they're taking it out on women, you know, because they they feel hurt by women. I'm not going to pretend like women are perfect and have never done anything to hurt men. Um, That all being said, though, I feel like just with like you coming back to the idea of how at least the internet or just like the world at large is predisposed to give more credence to men. Like for instance, I think the fact that you're even, you want to coach these men because you were once in a position, like you're saying yourself like them and their mindset and mentality, like that, that is great. And like that, that is a measure that needs to be done and it's hard. And like the, the amount of thought that you're putting into it is like admirable but where is the same side for women? And I think that's where I felt so strongly about like, and I don't normally like to talk about these things, but I felt so strongly. I realized I almost have this duty to do this because the same kind of like objective thought isn't put into why women do the things that they did. Like a lot of times when these stories come out, like, okay, so let's say some guy hurt a a girl or, or some girl hurt a guy growing up. And then the guy just like hates women. Okay, so that's that's a relatable story for a lot of guys on the internet and like predominantly most people like like on Reddit for instance are probably they're probably male or right? I don't go on Reddit that much but like it sounds like they're all like males and like they're all going to agree with each other and empathize with that mindset, right? And just logistically speaking because there are more males on there, any mindset or perspective that's not their mindset is going to get shunned. And I think that's kind of I don't have a problem with like giving credence the idea like oh it needs to we need to speak to predators or like I don't even like using the word predators because again I don't think it's binary either I think that 
people do things, people grow up and turn out to be one way or another for a variety of reasons. Um, and like, I do agree that every person has their story and the reason why they do stuff. But that being said, there is a disparity for how women are viewed and how their outlooks and perspectives are treated. And like, you can't say that there's the same kind of like, um, I don't know. Yeah, like there's just there's not the same level of empathy given. And I, I have to say, I think it just be, it's because the Internet is predisposed to mostly just be of like a male mindset. Um, and like, I think at least in the case where like, like in the Smash community and you'll see this at the world at large, too. Like, do you think do you think Epstein didn't know what he was doing? Do you think these people like, you know, you said that oh, this person, maybe they weren't aware. I think that's true for the average person. I think that's true for most people. Like the bell curve for like people who do bad things is like the majority of them. Like, yeah, they, they're not aware. And as soon as you coach them or really teach them um, like what, what their actions mean, they'll get it. But there are, there, there are the outliers. And these are typically the people who once they get in power, they abuse it, you know, because they're, they're waiting in society to finally have their chance to abuse their power and get away with it, you know? And that's, that's kind of what we saw in smash, because like I said, once they were held accountable, they, they ran away from it. And like, I think, I think setting the example is also so important because like in the real world, a lot of guys get away with stuff just because they, they're not, they don't, they're not penalized for it. Like what, who's that one guy, that Brock dude who like, literally like, like, like Brock Turner. Yeah, Brock Turner, he literally, like, drugged this girl and, like, raped her, and, like, like he only faced, like, six months in prison or something crazy, whereas there's, like, people who are, like, dealing weed or shit and getting, like, years in jail. It's, like, the, what, the disparity is so bad, and, like, that the precedent that that sets is, like, so horrible, and, like, if we're gonna go in here and be, like, okay, we need to give credence to the idea that like predators aren't predators it's like okay the same thing needs to be said then for like the women and the disenfranchised like people and like that you know everything so i'm not i'm not trying to discredit anything that you just said i just think that it needs to be said that there there are other perspectives out there and that this disparity is real yeah absolutely like the idea of a perfect victim the fact that the woman had to do x y and z for us to support or believe her like that's what that's what i'm i wish people understood it's like there is no such thing as a perfect victim we should we can empathize and try to change predators but at the same time we can empathize with women who didn't do exactly xyz when they were uh victimized like so so let me just i feel like i want to respond to that is that okay jisoo yeah so it's it's a great point right so the first thing that i have to understand is that like when i speak i'm coming from a male perspective which is going to def- by definition have some bias right The second thing is, you know, you know where I got this idea? Actually, a a panel of female gamers. So, like, we started with women. So we started actually by, like, talking to women about what's your experience like being a woman in gaming? What's your experience like dealing with toxicity in video games? And then we had a second panel... Before we have yet to have a panel with incels. Second panel about like women sharing their experiences of like rando dudes falling in love with them over the internet. Fascinating panel, right? So I absolutely think that this is a group of people like it's a psychological burden 
that the average of by average I mean male like person on the internet has no idea that you guys just live in a different world where you can't go into a game and just use fucking voice chat because people will send you pictures of their penis afterward. It's just a completely different world. And so like we had these two panels with women which were mind blowing to me just to hear what the experiences of these people are and like that's what we're dedicated to to ex- like like sort of leveling this playing field educating the masses about what it's like to be a minority in gaming and what you guys have to deal with and doing so in a way that hopefully the people aren't watching aren't like who thought you know it's it's like it's a, a really genuine perspective it's no one's looking for clout or fame or anything you can't even make that argument it's just someone coming on and sharing their experience and the crazy thing is that through those two conversations i was surprised because i asked the women i was like let me ask you, I use guys, so that also, like TK, I, was, I grew up with a particular, uh, you know, vocabulary that could be offensive. But I asked, I was like, what do you guys, like, it sounds to me like, you know, there's, there's a lot that we don't understand about, like, what's happening on the other side. And, and I asked them, I was like, would you, would y'all like to see a panel of the people who do the shit to you that, like, the people on the other side of the DM? Would you guys like to understand what their perspective is? I was stunned by their response, which is like overwhelmingly yes. Because I think this, this whole dynamic, like I think absolutely, we just need to look at the whole thing. The perspectives and experiences of women being not shared and unknown is half of what propagates the problem. Because like the people who send you DMs, they don't conceptualize of you as a human being. That's a huge fucking problem. Right. And so like we absolutely need to and this kind of goes back to females versus women. We just don't conceptualize y'all as as like humans. And as long as that that's the first thing that needs to change is that we're all humans. In my sense, in my experience has been the more that we start treating people like human beings in general, whether you fucked up or you haven't fucked up, whether you're a victim or you the better off we're going to be. And I'm not trying to, in any way, shape, or form, excuse the behavior of sexual predators. Because like I said, you know, cancer is cancer. And like, once you get to that point, you know, that needs to be excised. But I think if we really want to, if we want to reduce the number of cases that Piggy is getting overwhelmed with from 250 to 25, we have to stop smoking. That's how you really beat cancer. And I don't know how much of that analogy applies to this situation. I'm not sure, right? That's where, like, I, I don't know. But, like, when I look at, at big-scale advances, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I mean, it sounds to me like uh, what I was – part of what I'm hearing is that we want a better nuanced understanding of people who – become born predators and a more nuanced understanding of people who are victims. Uh, Absolutely. Cause here's, like here's starting there. Cause we don't know what it looks like. You don't know if you're smoking a cigarette, you know, in this dimension. And we don't know, like, you know, you can't see somebody and say, Oh, they're smoking. But the better we understand what a vic- you know, with nuance and empathy, what it's like to be a victim early on and what it's like to become someone with the predatory behavior, then the better we can help the better people can self-identify. Does that sound like part of... Go ahead, Dr. K. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just... Because I, I think what we need to understand is like how TK grew up. 
like we absolutely need to understand the perspective of, of women and victims. Don't get me wrong. And that's why, like, you know, we've spent more time. I mean, I wasn't even saying any of this until Bobby asked the question. I think the most important thing for me that come out of this discussion is for young people to be aware of what a predator looks like. That's what my emphasis was. The one goal that I wanted is like, if you're a 16 year old gamer, male, female, whatever, what are the signs that you're being manipulated? Because that's really the most important thing. And then in terms of how coaching fits in, I think that's sort of the separate issue of like understanding, you know, how do you grow up? Like that's what healthy gamer is about. We're trying to teach a generation of people like how to grow up. Like what are the, cha- what are the challenges that we face and how do we overcome them? Grow up sounds condescending, but I think my only, uh, my only like observation from all of this has been like basically, um, I feel the way that a lot of these people get into the position they are, the, the how the predator is born. The answer for a lot of them is that like, you know, in high school or wherever their early years were, they weren't popular. You know, what I'm saying like they weren't, they they didn't get you know uh, women's attention. They didn't have girlfriends, or whatever, whatever. So then they end up getting popular in this realm and it's like a new start for them. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they were never like those big streamers who end up having like allegations with most women. Cause like now they're getting attention from women. Those, you know, the big, um, the big name top players, commentators who are like, you know, also getting, um, allegations against them from multiple women. Cause I feel like in their earlier days, they're like, they were nothing. They weren't shit. You know what I'm saying? And now they're trying to like make up for it. And on this time where they don't know what to do with this power, if you will. Uh, and it gets to their head. And I think like, that's not an issue that we can fix after it's already happened. That's the issue that they have to go about wanting to fix. Uh, I've had this conversation with um, like, I don't want to use names, but I had this conversation with a fellow commentator who I felt like, you know, as I started to grow up and get less about chasing skirts and more about like, you know, just in, I guess, an adult or whatever, or trying to like settle down or whatever, he didn't. And he was older than me. And I was like, do you not notice that like, this may be an issue because like, I'm now 31 and you're, you know, you're, you're two, three years older than me. And you're still like acting like we were 25, 26 or not even then more like 23, 24. Uh, So you know, I think that that wanting to change comes from you, but uh, if you're only changing because someone else has pointed out to you and you're changing because like, oh, I need to change to appear like I'm better, then you're not really changing again. Like that's more so just, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing type deal. I think genuinely wanting to change because you realizing the error of your ways uh, ends up coming down to the person. And I just don't know how to get them to reach that, you know if they don't reach it on them on themselves. I don't know how to like yeah. egg someone on to be like, yo, bro, like this is an issue. And I think this is something that you should address. Yeah. I mean, I, I think TK, that's a great point. And I'll, I'll give you guys the last word in a second, but I think that's exactly why, like when people come on and share their stories, it's really easy to think that you're not doing anything wrong. If the person on the other side of the table isn't a real human being. Right. Okay. And like, that's the toxicity right. of the internet Right, is like, doesn't like they're females. That's the toxicity of human social thought. Sure. Um, we we use I, heuristics to judge things because and, it's easier and it can protect us. But I, in the end that those heuristics can also 
cause enormous pain and harm. And that's why I think like, like, I think it's awesome that women are coming forward because like, we need to hear your perspective. Like you need to like, you know, I think it's really powerful when, when we, when we see an individual as a person, it starts to break down like the conceptions, like when you start to see the shades of gray and stuff like that. And that's why I really appreciate like Piggy and, and Jisoo sharing their stories, because I think in this moment, you know, for people who are watching, it's hard to just call you like a female because like you're a human being with a full array of like thoughts and emotions and feelings and experiences. And, and the more human you are and the more you share that experience, I think that's ultimately what causes people to learn. So thank you guys all for coming on sure, and sharing. But I don't think it should be a requirement for us to air our trauma <laughs> just to be seen as people, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so I don't think you have to share your trauma, but I think when we, any kind of authentic sharing, it just happens to be that we're talking about a traumatic experience today. But I think anytime you're right, I don't think you should air your trauma to be seen as a human being. But I think part of, part of what we do as an organization is we take the parts that have not been shared in the past and we try to bring them to light. Because I think personally, that's where a lot of growth is. That's how we try to fight stigma. That it's okay. Like if you're a victim, you're not a less normal human being. You're a valuable human being. You know, you should be treated with respect. That your trauma, and, and this is where you're right, that you shouldn't need to share trauma to become a person. In my experience, part of the reason that we try to share trauma is because some people, this is really sad, but some people who experience trauma don't feel like a human being. And, and when, when you share it, when you bring it out into the open, it like has less power over you. And I think what we saw today, like even listening to hugs, right? Like, so, I mean, here's his experience of being betrayed by a friend. And like, that's, I think what gets people to like, look at themselves. And it comes back to TK's question of you have to want to change from the inside. And in my experience, when you show yourself, when you authentically represent yourself to the rest of the world, that's what prompts change. But yeah, it's, it's with you guys. Anyway, closing thoughts. Um, I've been, you know, I've been kind of mulling over what like we can do. Cause I mean, this is, this is one of many issues I feel like the Smash community has that are now coming to, to light. I think that uh, it's a good one to start with, but there's so much that we have to tackle that I feel like it's it's almost an impossible hill to climb. You know, like there's it, it goes further than just like uh, the sexual assault and rape and and sexual misconduct just in general, but it goes as far as to just general like bullying of of people in in online in chats all the time. Just just people. Uh, dehumanizing, I feel like the people that they are supposed to love, uh, because they're locked behind computer screens and stuff like that. There's like there's so many interesting uh dynamics that need to be fixed uh within the Smash community. I don't know like how we could do it, but I know that that my first step is to believe that like we can promote change by being said change by by following by practicing what we preach by following our own set of uh you know, code of conducts, I guess, that are morally sound and things like that. The I, I feel like in in Smash community, like the celebrity of things is like really like this is a very like celebrity type community, like where people are like huge followers of 
top players, top commentators, and things like that. I don't really see that happen uh, too often in other uh, fighting games or just in games in general outside of like maybe like League and like Overwatch because they're like backed by the big companies. But for a grassroots game to have a multiple people over 100K uh, followers and stuff is actually crazy to me. So uh, with those big followings, I feel like being like showing, leading by example and showing that like uh, you have changed behavior, that you do not accept incel type behavior uh is a great thing and that's one big avenue in a way that we can push for change in the future in my opinion and for me if something i've been thinking about a lot is like what is what are we explicitly preaching you know tk because like i want to believe too that we can model uh this good behavior and that that'll catch fire and that things can get a lot better uh and the more i think about it the more i think that for me, what I want to preach and what I want to practice is that anybody who cares about the game is, you know, I'll define them as a member of the community in some capacity. And for me, I feel that people who like don't hurt other people in the community, people who care about other people having being safe, like that's kind of the bar we need to uh, hold ourselves, each and every one of us accountable to. That's like in my mind, if we can all feel accountable for other community members having like you know not being in danger basically then a lot can change but as long as we don't feel responsible for that you know or that there's discussion about like that's kind of what i would love to pull out by the root it's kind of ask people if if they care about other people having uh being able to play melee safely Mm because for me i've never heard anybody say that they don't care about that I don't think anybody can say that with a straight face that like, Oh no, I don't give a shit about other people playing the game safely. Like that's not on me. Right. I feel like just like, I don't want to like derail things too hard, but I'm like reading the chat and just like, you know, everyone brings up really good points. Like, Oh, this is just a worldwide issue or this has a lot to do with like, um, you know, just general sexism or like uh, abuse in general and just other other psychological things. And like, I think all those points are really true, which is why it's really hard to have panels like these and talk about it in a really direct, uh, concise way because it is nuanced. Like I'm not like, you know, like uh, Dr. K said, guys do grow up with a different perspective. And especially if you grow up being an outcast in a certain way, that comes with its own problems that like i probably will never be able to understand but like i think real change comes from you take when people in like their smaller communities do what they can in their smaller pools and attack issues one by one because you can't attack everything in the world all at once like i can't attack how disenfranchised people get like jailed for unreasonable amounts of time like that's not my battle to fight probably and there already are there already are people fighting for it um and like i know that what i can do is help other women or victims or people who have gone through the things that I identify with personally, because I know what it's like to go through that and I can help them best with something that I know. And I think that goes for anybody else in the chat or people who are viewing, like if you're watching this, you're like, what can I do? And like, you know, I ha- I know all these other factors go into it, but how do we like attack these things like one by one? And it's like, it is a one by one process. And it just starts with like one thing that you're passionate about. Um, and I think, I think to me, that's like the biggest giveaway or takeaway i'd want to speak out to everybody yeah jesus it reminds me so some time ago we started a a special section of our discord for women just because you know they do have a different experience and even on our discord they were getting 
harassed and stuff. And then, you know, <laughs> we got a lot of criticism for that because a lot of people were like, where's the men's space? There's a women's space. Where's the men's space? And and now everywhere I, else. <laughs> and and now now I have the answer, which is sorry, guys. Have a sip, cock. See ya. I think it's a very powerful answer. Let's chat. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go on. Wait, sorry, Bobby. You were like saying something. I I like don't know if I interrupted that. No, 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 no. you didn't. That that was my my last word. Was just that like if we. If, if we can believe that we want to create a space where people can play the game without being harassed, that's a low bar. And then I think that I think we could do a much better job if we say that we want to hold it up. Because TK mentioned this earlier, right? You can't take responsibility for changing another person. I can't go in anybody else's being and and change them. But we can't. We can do more than nothing. And I think for each of us, if we know where that line is, which is. I hope that we can like have real homie talks with people who are looking like they're in a bad spot and that we can stop, you know, bad things from being born into the world in the first place. And that would be great. But yeah, I guess like having our eyes open and knowing that we're trying to help make the space safe for everybody, that would be really good. And that yeah. was all that I had to and, say. And also thanks Dr. K for having us here. And thanks to everybody. Who's thank listening. you guys very much. Of, yeah. of course, the everybody else here. Uh, I guess my last my last thought would be uh, that I really do hope that the Smash community bounces back and learns from everything that has happened. I think I'm I'm hopeful, and I think that we will at least be going in a much better direction from here on out. And also, thanks to everyone here for everything that you do, uh, using your influence to um, uh, force change or help towards change. Especially you, Piggy. Uh, we've talked about a lot of this stuff, and you do a crazy amount of work that I think goes underappreciated. So I will always have your back and I will make sure that people uh, put some respect on your name and all the work that you do. So really appreciate what you're doing. Don't make me cry on stream. <laughs> uh, my closing thoughts are please get involved with your local scenes. Please um, uh, ask your TOs about bands um, or, or help organize or something. Um, if you've lost hope, I understand. Uh, and you are not required to stay in Smash. But if you are, please, you, it matters <laughs> what you do and say. I think that's another take-home message of all this. Um, and use what you've got, whether it's cloud, quote, or, or just energy and time or passion uh, or, or personal experience. Oh, also, wait, I, I know, okay, people are viewing the Smash community like we're like, a bunch of like freaks after this understandably so all right there's a lot of cool people like if you go to a tournament at least you know you can start with any of the the like five people here dr k if you roll through you know you can talk to him too like we're not most of us aren't like this it's just like literally like like the few they just like all these articles aired around and now there's just like all this shit but smash is a really dope game um and like the scene is super cool and like, there's a lot of good th good sides to it too. So yeah, just <laughs> you need to throw uh, that out. <laughs> I, I think it's out there because we care and we are trying to change. Where um, um, when when these things get blown up, it's it's more because we're okay with rooting it out, even if it makes the community look especially yeah. uh, crazy. 
But I, I assure you that um, it's just us working on a lot of things publicly. And um, yeah, uh, there are a lot of good people in this scene. So yeah, yeah I, I mean, Jesus, just as someone who's not a member of the community, you, I think you guys sound awesome. It sounds very tight knit, very caring, very welcoming. Like if you wanna if you wanna see real asshole communities, like go check out Dota or LOL. Like oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. I mean y'all sound great. It, it makes me wanna like attend a Smash tournament just to like check it out. See like check it out, check it out. I recommend yeah. it. Like seriously. <laughs> no, I think y'all is coming out soon. I th- I think there's a y'all are a ringing endorsement for the community. Seriously, like it's awesome. So thank you guys very much. Um, I unfortunately have to run because we're a little over. But normally I teach meditation, so rain check. But we'll keep the group DM, and I'll teach you guys something later if y'all want. That offer's open. Um, but uh, I do. I gotta run. But thank you guys very much. Seriously, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks and I, again. Thank likewise. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything and healing and repairing. You too. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody.